I, I'm not even trying to take her side like that, but let's not act like Kim ever misrepresented herself, is what I'm saying. She was always very clear about who she was. You lot wanted to go over there. So don't now try and get us to fight for you because it's not going your way. Nah, Mm-mm-mm. that's what we won't do. No. I really don't see what Kim right now is doing wrong. Definitely she's raising the sex tape issue at, for clickbait for a show. Absolutely, I agree with that. But so is Ray J. They're both doing that. Kanye, upset because he's obsessed. He's upset that his daughters will be forced to do Playboy and be obsessed with sex. Isn't the fact that Kim put herself out there as this sex symbol, isn't that why you married her? Now you're upset because you're worrying about the effect that it's gonna have on your daughters? Shouldn't you have worried about that before you breeded her? Like, I don't understand what you want us to do about it. I'm very confused. Upon a shooting star, you thought you witnessed my final coup de gras. Look up, we shooting stars. Sitting in the back of the bench, and my feet go up. Bitches don't come outside when the beats go up. But I love the way they mob when we roll up. These bitches bums, when I see them, they make me grow up. I wish a bitch would spin, I'm like, please show up. When you talk to me, please don't bring a cheap hoe up. You keep talking about a bitch, but the streets grow up. Cause you the type to say that shit and knock a freak hoe up. Ugh. I'm about to make you regret you chose me as an enemy, bitch. Southside Jamaica, we mobbing them bricks, so pull up with them blicks. Some of the best shooters out of New York, they don't play with the Knicks. Hey, yo. That ain't five of your foreign, that's Barbie new foreign. Bees, nah, that ain't Reebok. We back on that E-Rock. Percocets got a detox. Firearms gon' get restocked. Shooters hitting that G-spot. Bitches imitate, please stop. Suck his dick like a freeze pop. First, he gotta get me top. Louis bag, all that Louis bag. More colorful than a peacock. Weak niggas gotta get the boot, gotta get the boot with no tree top. He was like, who that she bad? I was like, oh, that's bestie. I could beat one the way, cover this nigga, that's sexy. 
epilepsy. I know they sleeping on me, bitches got epilepsy. I don't do coke, little bitch, I don't even do Pepsi. Let's see. How you don't like me, but trying to do everything like me? That is what gets. Sitting in the back of the bins and my feet go up. Bitches don't come outside when the beef go up. But I love the way they Hi guys, it's Hannah OJ and welcome to my show, Underrated. It's been a little while since I've had a solo episode, so I'm actually really excited about today's episode because there's a lot to get into. So we're just going to get straight into it with hot topics. We're coming in hot because there's a lot to get into, like I said. I got hot sauce in my bag. So let's start with Nicki Minaj. I feel like every time I come back to the show, Nicki Minaj does something else crazy and it's just getting like, oh, like it's getting to the point where I don't feel like she really wants people to like her anymore. Like she must really only want the Barb's attention. Like I, that's, that's been true for some time, but it's getting to the point where do you really want your stupid antics to outshine the legacy that you created for yourself? Like you really honestly want that? You want to be a joke? That's what it's giving. So anyway, let's get straight into it. Nicki Minaj was on Queen Radio last weekend, I believe. And she had some things to say about Garcelle. So I'm just going to play the clip for you. For you guys that don't know, Garcelle Bouvard, Bouvet, I think. She is a, um, she's on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills at the moment, but you guys might know her as an actress. She's been in the industry for some time. She was in Coming to America. I believe she's in a Marvel movie now. I'm not a huge Marvel fan, so I couldn't even tell you the title. But yeah, she, Garcelle is a very well-known face. She's been on like the cover of Vogue Italia. Like she's that bitch, you know? And she's also the host on The Real. Uh, the Real has recently been cancelled, but this is the reason why Nicki Minaj randomly decided to come for her. So let me just play the clip for you and we'll discuss. They wanted ratings. And the next thing that happened to them, they were cancelled. And now this lady is on one of The Real Housewives talking about, leave my son alone. Don't leave comments under my son's bed. Bitch, if you can't feel this damn motherfucker, he get the fuck out the kitchen, bitch. Did you care about my motherfucking son, bitch? Did you care about my motherfucking son, ho? I see why that white man left you, bitch. Disgusting. But I always tell you guys, because... Okay, so that was the clip. And shortly afterwards... She also tweeted, uh, well, one of her terrorists tweeted, I want somebody to drag Lonnie Love's ass too, but hey, that's just me. And Nikki retweeted it saying, I can't drag her by myself, that's for sure. Hashtag super freaky girl, hashtag queen mix out now. So just to give context, what Nikki was talking about with Garcelle's son is if I watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, so I know that Gar Garcelle has... I wouldn't say she's had a lot of heat. I actually think she's done really well this season. She really understands that assignment of being a housewife. So I've actually really been enjoying her on the show. But obviously her being the only black woman on there in a setting like Beverly Hills with all these, you know, toxic white women, let's just be real. She, she's going to attract a lot of negativity and, and backlash online just for being black and having an opinion and, and standing on it basically on the show. That's all she's done. And, but you know, that's a problem where it's concerned to us. So essentially what's happened a few weeks ago is her sons have had a lot of hate messages, a lot of racially targeted messages online. 
And I can't even give you the details of what it was um, because this was a few weeks ago and I wasn't doing the show. So I haven't even got uh, bookmarks. And that's not really the point of what we're discussing today. But just to give context, one of her sons is 14. One of them is in his 30s. But one of them is just a little boy. And Garcelle basically said, I can take a lot of things. You can tell, like, she's been in the industry for some time. She's pretty thick skinned. Like, she knew what what it was going to be given on Beverly Hills. So I think she can take it herself. But where it comes to her, her sons who didn't sign up for the show and who didn't ask for this, yeah, it's just because they were literally going to her son's personal Instagram and sending him horrible racist messages. So as a mother, you can understand, of course, that's going to break your heart. And of course, you're going to be upset and frustrated. So she said publicly on her on her social media, you know, I can take a lot of things, but I can't take this abuse that my son is getting. Please stop it kind of thing. And it seems that these are a lot of bots, always are, always bots or stands, right? So you can't see where it's coming from. But a lot of these bots seem to be in support of Diana, who is some bitch that came on the show, who I don't care for. And I'm not even going to get into it because we're not talking about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But it's just funny that a lot of them are in support of her and Kyle that are sending racist messages towards Garcelle's sons. So that was what Nikki was speaking to. Um, so my opinion on Nikki's words, I just don't understand why you're coming at Garcelle in the first place. Garcelle was doing her job on The Real. She's not a producer of that show. It's not like it, like... Even if she had the suggestion, let's even assume she had the suggestion to get Jennifer Huff on the show, because that's why Nikki is so angry that the real interview, Jennifer Huff, who was sexually assaulted by Kenneth Petty, I personally don't say alleged because he went to prison for that crime. And I feel like saying allegedly takes the purpose out of using that word because you went, you did time for that crime. You're on the sex offenders list because of it. So it's, it is what it is. And Nikki, anything that's happening as a result of that is your fucking business because who told you to marry that nigga in the first place? Like, I don't understand why you're mad at Garcelle. What did Garcelle do? Garcelle did her fucking job. Like, it's so, I hate when people make, like, they they act like they're, they're saying shit, like they're making this valid point when it, it literally makes no sense. Like, what are you talking about? What what do you mean? Did she think about your son? Did you think about your potential, your children when you married a predator and decided to let, have him breed you? Did you think about your children? I find that odd because you don't care about the safety of your child. So why are you expecting Garcelle to give a fuck? And Garcelle is not a producer of that show. She's not in charge of who comes on as a guest. And the fact that she added Lonnie as well, like she you know, unleashed her stands on Lonnie Love as well. I just find that you you really display, you make it very clear that like you don't like women. That much is clear that you're beefing all these female rappers every five minutes. Like she's now beefing Koi Lee who she was up her ass just a few months ago. And now she's beefing her because she's not sucking her dick like the likes of Malibu Mitch and Bia because she don't want to look like a fool out here. And... I just think it's funny that you make all of these reasons and pathetic excuses why these female rappers did some shit to you. So this is why you're mad at them. When really the problem is evidently you. It can't all be Cardi, Megan, Coily Ray, all of these people. Do you know what I mean? Like it can't be all of those people. It can't be Kim. Like it, it has to be you at some point. So I find it really hilarious 
that now you're starting to show us that you clearly have something specifically, you have some angst towards black women. Because why are you only adding Garcelle and Lonnie Love like Adrian Bylon and Jeannie Mai weren't also there? I'm very confused about that. Like, why aren't you mad at all of them? I think Jeannie Mai was on. Was Jeannie Mai on? I, I don't feel like I remember her being a participant in the interview. I don't know why, it's just her face is not standing out to me, but I'm sure she was on the, at the time on the reel. So I'm just very, very confused as to why Garcelle in particular and Lonnie Love are the ones that should catch all the heat. And ultimately, what was your point in dragging Garcelle? Like the, the part where she said, oh, I see why that white man left you. It's like, oh, you want to talk about each other's men? You want to do that? Like, it's so fun. She does that often, you know, and I just find it funny because you don't want anyone to talk about your man. But like, ultimately, what was the point you were trying to make where it pertains to Garcelle and what she was saying about her son? Are you saying that her son, her 14 year old son deserves racist abuse because she had Jennifer Huff on the show? The correlation was where? The correlation is where? And she's saying, if you can't take the heat, the whole point is that she can take the heat. She don't want her son to take the heat. Like, oh, she's such a bird. Anyway, moving on from Garcelle, cause Nikki's did a little bit more that I want to address in the last couple of weeks. Let's talk about the Super Freaky Girl remix or Queen mix that she's been promoting and the last bar that she threw out on her second verse. By the way, that song is trash, the Super, Girl, the Super Freaky Girl original song. I wasn't even that mad at the remix. I quite liked JT and Akbar's verses on there. I liked Nikki's second verse on there. I wasn't mad at it at all. Still not loving the song, but Ultimately, like, I feel like Nikki does this thing every so often where she'll do things. That I'm like, oh, okay, I'm trying to be optimistic. And I'm, I'm like, I actually like certain things. Like this year, more than any other year, she's kind of tried to do the female unity thing. I think it's fake because like I said, I, she doesn't like women. But ultimately, I think she's realized that she has to play the game. It's all about female empowerment now in the rap game. And she can't always be a standalone. She, you have to collaborate with some of the new girls. You have to play the game like everybody else. And I do feel like there are moments where it's slightly authentic. Like where, for example, the We Go Up freestyle. I really like the fact that she, you know, kind of put out this game and like encourage other female artists to do their own freestyles to it. I thought it was a good time. I really enjoyed checking out other women's freestyles. I really like Dreezy's freestyle. Akbar's freestyle, again, once again, surprised me. I really like Lyrica's freestyle too. Like her surprised me. I thought it was a really good, I, I love Miss Banks freestyle. Like I, it was a great time during the We Go Up freestyle time. And I genuinely thought that, you know, that was authentic from her because it's not like she was working with them, you know, like she was actually just giving you know, female artists an opportunity to get their name out there, which I thought was cool. And then she did something else stupid after that, which is where they had Kenneth Petty's friend try and gaslight Jennifer Huff and act like she was lying and she was retracting her statement when she was younger, which is bullshit because if you follow the case like me and actually read the lawsuit, you would know that this is something she said before. She said that the DA tried to make, like her parents were trying to coerce her and make her retract her statement because they didn't want that heat on them at the time because obviously in the neighborhood, everyone was talking about it and they didn't like that stigma. But the DA could sense that she was being coerced into it. So they dismissed it. That was what she was speaking on. But obviously they were trying to make it seem like she was lying on Kenneth. And I'm just like, you lot are so pathetic. Like every time you do something that's slightly positive, you follow it up with some other bullshit. And ultimately it's like, you really just don't want people to fuck with you or you made a stupid decision and you're acting desperate and doing all these silly things instead of just leaving him. Because if you really left him, people would be relieved that they'll finally have something positive to say about you if I'm being real. But anyway, let me, sorry, let me get onto the Super Freaky Girl remix. So 
That last bar that Nikki threw out there. I ain't got a beg for sympathy from the media, idiot. Okay. So that was obviously a direct to Meg. And I just want to know. Firstly, before I address Nikki actually saying that, this whole narrative of Megan begging for sympathy from the media because she got shot. Do people really listen to themselves when they say that? Because I think it's so weird that people are putting out a narrative like people shouldn't automatically feel empathy for someone who got shot when they didn't deserve it. Like, I'm just a bit like, so should we say fuck Megan for getting shot? Like, I'm confused. Like, what are you talking about? I just find that whole narrative in itself so weird because there's so many bloggers that Tory Lanez is obviously paying that say, oh, like all of her career is on sympathy. Like all she has to do for is beg for sympathy. I'm like, firstly, anyone who got shot randomly, especially like, I, would, I don't want to say especially women, like it doesn't matter when men get shot, but you know, like when women are in situations that, where they're shot, people like, automatically have, they're a little bit more shocked and surprised because it's not, you, you don't often hear about women getting in those situations. So I find that like odd that like, what should we feel then? I, I'm just not really understanding that. But aside from that, Nikki just putting that bar out there and she's had other instances where it seems that she's shading Meg and sending subs her way. Like in the Super Freaky Girl original song, she says like, drop a tear. She's, I've got a screenshot where one of the barbs is asking if it's about Megan and the fact she don't cry in her interviews. And she said, yeah. And I thought that was so stupid and funny because they had a screenshot from the Gail King interview where Megan was talking about her mum. And I was like, what are you trying to imply that Megan doesn't really care her mum is dead? Do you see how idiotic you sound? Like, I just, this is why I'm saying like, it's so like, she looks like a clown to everyone else that's not a barb. Because it's like, you sound so ridiculous. And it's actually embarrassing when I remember you're almost 40. This woman is 40 in three months. It's so embarrassing. Like, I, I can't imagine having this little regard for how I appear to other people publicly, other adults, like it's just crazy. And I'm just like, what is the need? Like, what was the reason for saying that in your song? The, the I don't have to beg for sympathy from the media, idiot. Like firstly, Megan doesn't, I wouldn't even say that that's accurate. She definitely speaks on her situation, but why shouldn't she? Like if I went through something, no one can ever tell me I can't speak on it. I can speak on it when the fuck I want to. But begging for sympathy, I don't feel like that's how Megan gets to her bag. I think if you watch Megan and generally do it from a place of either being a fan of her or just being interested in what she's doing, you can see that she's just that bitch. And I'm not even trying to sound like a hottie at this point, because I generally don't like I, I joke about being a hottie because I do really fuck with Megan. But I generally don't consider myself a stan of anybody because I don't think it's ever a bad thing to say that you don't agree with what someone's done. But ultimately, Megan's never I haven't seen anything that I feel like is a problem. Like, I feel like it's so weird that people throw that Tory thing on her like she did something wrong. Do you know how mad I would feel if I got shot and everyone's trying to blame me like I did some shit too? Like, deserve it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't really understand why that is always brought up. Like, that's a reason why people shouldn't buy into Megan. And I think that Megan is ultimately, she's talented. She's a good rapper. Like, I get her music is not for everybody, but... Ultimately, like, I think she speaks to a lot of women. She has a lot of confidence. She's pretty. A lot of it is very natural. Like, you can tell she doesn't have much surgery. She's on camera, fresh face all the time. So you can tell she's genuinely internally comfortable and confident in herself. And I think that fucks with some people. I really do. And I think that not everyone understands it. She even said it herself in an interview recently with Ebro. And 
uh, I think Nadaska was it on Apple Music, where she said that, you know, she's tall, she's loud, she's thick. And a lot of people want her to kind of appear in a nice, like docile kind of manner. And because she doesn't, she gets treated like she's some kind of bitch. And I can 100% believe that because that's the treatment that a lot of black women get, which Megan also spoke to. And I think the fact that she's so unapologetic with it, it really ruffles people's feathers. And I say, fuck those people and their feathers. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't really understand why anyone should be apologetic about being themselves and being expressive and their own creative version of themselves and being comfortable in their skin. I just, I find that very weird. So for Nikki to throw that bar out there, that all like, like as in basically implying that the only reason why she's Megan the Stallion is because she's begging for sympathy from the media. Um, Nikki, I believe she had a feature with Beyonce and you before she even got shot. So what the fuck are you talking about? I don't understand. Surely those things are signs that someone is doing pretty all right in their career, no? As an artist, no? Mm, I don't know, that's just how I would take it personally. But you know, that's just me. Oh, anyway, before we get off of Nikki, cause I really don't like to waste too much time talking about her, cause ultimately I'm just gonna say the same thing over and over again. She is suing this blogger called Nosy Hose. Nosy Hose is a funny name, by the way. I'm, I'm sure I have heard of this blogger before, but I can't think of where. But yeah, an article came out the other day where she is suing her for defamation, I believe. And I'm gonna read the article from the Jasmine brand. A lot of the articles that I'm referencing today, or captions that I'm referencing today are from the Jasmine brand, so shout out to them. So coming for Nicki Minaj online might land you in some legal trouble. According to reports, Nicki Minaj, real name Onika Tanya Miraj Petty, is claiming a woman who goes by the social media persona Nosy Ho, real name Marley Green, posted a video on Monday, September the 12th, saying outlandish things about her. During the video, Green allegedly said Nicki Minaj is shoving all this cocaine, shoving in all this cocaine up her nose, allegedly. Thank you, allegedly. But we all know it's true. She continued, fuck, listen, I can't even say allegedly with that because we all know it's true. I'm not saying allegedly on that. Nicki Minaj is a cokehead. Nicki also alleges that Green made vile comments about her one-year-old son saying, your baby is going to be a rapist too. As you may already know, Nicki Minaj's husband, Kenneth Petty, was convicted in 1995 for the attempted rape of a woman named Jennifer Hoff. Reportedly, Nicki's lawsuit against Green calls the media personality a nobody and someone whose main accomplishments in life have been a string of criminal charges, bail jumping and bad debts. The suit argues that due to the traction the video has gained, there's a possibility people could believe what Green said. Nicki's attorney, Judd Bernstein, states that at the time of the suit filing, the cokehead video on Twitter received over 2000 likes and more than 250 retweets. The super freaky girl rapper claimed that she's never used cocaine and is suing for defamation, seeking damages of no less than $75,000. So as much as I wholeheartedly disagree with a lot of what Nicki Minaj says and does these days, I don't agree with this blogger making these statements on her channel. I understand why the coke thing was said in a way, because ultimately I'm not doing what Nosy Hose is doing, just to be clear, because I've never met Nicki Minaj. I don't know her. I've never seen her do drugs. So I'm not, of course, going to say, and that's where Nosy Hose went wrong. You shouldn't make statements like that about people if you really don't know. And even if you do know, if you can't prove it, those are some things that you shouldn't just shouldn't say publicly. 
But ultimately, if like <sighs> Nikki's behavior is, that is what it's given. So she's not the first person to draw that conclusion that that might be a possibility that a little bit of the white might be being consumed. I, and Nicki Minaj does rap about, you know, popping pills and doing coke. So I find it like if you don't want people to say that or allege that you're doing coke, then maybe stop acting like somebody who's doing a lot of coke. That's just me. And then when you throw in the fact that you have a few bars where you're saying it, I even remember seeing a snippet of a live from Nikki once where even some of the bars were saying that they were quoting bars where she was talking about Coke and kind of making it be like, okay, well, this is kind of why people might be of the opinion that you do Coke because you do rap about it kind of thing. And even she was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just rapping. Like she was kind of like explaining. So it's a bit like, I understand why that blogger would have said it, but she still shouldn't have. She shouldn't have said fuck allegedly is what I'm saying. Um, because ultimately you can get in trouble when you make statements like that, as we are now seeing. But if somebody were to want to say, and I want to be very clear about what I'm saying here, I'm not saying that I think that she does coke. I have no idea. Like I said, I've never met that lady, but I'm saying if you don't want people to draw that possibly inaccurate conclusion, perhaps you should stop behaving erratically and rapping about doing drugs. I'm just saying. Um, and where it comes to her saying your baby's going to be raped too, I 100% don't, that, that's terrible. You shouldn't say things like that. At the end of the day, her child is the only innocent one in all of this involvement where it comes to the petties. That child didn't ask to be born and he certainly didn't ask for that to be his daddy, you know? So I, I definitely don't agree with that. Leave children out of it. Like I can 100% understand why that might have fueled Nikki to even want to sue. I feel like, cause she's not, I'm sure she's not the only person that called her a cokehead, even if it was without the allegedly, you know? So I feel like that statement, the baby gonna be a rapist too. I, I feel like that is probably what fueled Nicki Minaj to take lawsuit action in which I understand. I do wonder whether or not it, that will come of anything or whether that's just something Nikki's doing to kind of do like a scare tactic. But ultimately, if she really feels some type of way, she could take it all the way and she could win because all she has to do is prove that she doesn't do drugs. And even if she does, honestly, those that's easily created. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I, like it's giving, like I'm literally thinking of um, Mariah from Married to Medicine doing that drug test. <laughs> that's literally immediately what came to mind because when Quad said that about Mariah, I'm like, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know, but it, it's, it's not shocking to me because a lot of people do coke outside of it being a character assassination. I know people look at it that way, but so many people in the industry do coke. So that's why when people say it, ultimately I'm like, uh, maybe you did, but I'm not judging you for it. It's just, it is what it is. Like a lot of people do coke. Um, so when Mariah went through the trouble of doing that whole, like, I'm going to cut out my hair and, and prove that I'm not on coke. I'm like, all that proves is that you're not taking coke now. Like, do you know what I mean? That even if, if that's even a legitimate test, which we don't know, because, you know, reality TV, they be putting on a show, child. So, yeah. Um, that's what I think. Whether or not it will turn into a Tasha K versus Cardi B situation, I don't know. But ultimately, I'm not mad at Nikki if you feel like, you, you know... Like maybe she really doesn't like, cause for me, I've, I I honestly couldn't tell you why she's acting like this. I feel like it's more of a distraction than anything else. That would be my guess because I don't think it's marketing and promotion. She doesn't need to do that for marketing. 
So I feel like, and I think she enjoys it. I think there's a part of her that really enjoys it. I think she's narcissistic and she enjoys seeing the barbs fall into line and act like her army when she feels like it with whoever the fuck she wants to get at. I think there's a part of her that really, really thrives on it. I think that that's part of it. But I also feel like if there's something else, there's an underlying other factor here as to what she did with that tea party because it was Nicki Minaj's tea party. Ironically, the tea party in Alice in Wonderland, which is like the biggest reference for a big tea party, is hosted by the Mad Hatter. And, you know, if you guys are familiar with Lewis Carroll and the story of Alice in Wonderland, their man were all high when they wrote that book. So I just find that ironic. I'm just sorry. I just I just had to throw it out there because as I said that, I just thought about it. But yeah, uh, Nikki, do better. Onika, do better. Because honestly, you are like, as some, like for some people, you know, that are really into female rap like me, a lot of their you know, the person they visualize, the female rapper they visualize and think back on is Nick is, is Lil' Kim or Foxy. I was born in 93. So as much as I'm a huge fan of Foxy Brown and Lil' Kim now, Lil' Kim right now is my favorite rapper. I go, if you guys are familiar with me, I go back and forth between who my favorite rapper is. And ultimately, I wouldn't say that like Nicki Minaj is that person for me because when I was growing up and at an adolescent age where I can fall back on these memories, it's Nicki Minaj. Like she was that go at the time and she has been for a long time so it honestly is disheartening to see her disrespect her own legacy like this over a nigger like I can't like let's deep that's what it's it's about cocky it's about the it's about peen you should not even be looking at twice Ugh. It's a real shame because ultimately this Jennifer Huff situation is nothing to do with Nikki. She inserted herself into it. If she had just left that man alone, none of this would be happening. It's just a big shame. So to see her act erratically like this is making me wonder if she's spiraling a little bit because she's now realizing that she's done the wrong thing, but she's stubborn and the type of person that will never admit it. So if anything, she'll marry, she'll stay with that man until they're gray and old, just to prove a point. I feel like that's more likely than anything, or she's figuring out a way to throw him under the bus in some way, but I don't think so. I think she's just gonna ultimately just be wrong and strong for as long as she can until she retires, which is a big shame because I don't want her to go out like that. I really don't. But the way she moves online and the way she sets her barbs on people is disgusting. Like even like other YouTubers and and influencers I've seen speaking about her, she's been like, obviously she doesn't actually, I mean, I can't even say she doesn't actually tell them to do it because as you guys probably know, they have all of their secret little chats where they talk to each other. So for all I know, she's probably telling them in black and white to actually get at certain people. But even if she's not, she's definitely inciting their behavior because she's liking a lot of their tweets where they're speaking on bloggers and YouTubers and saying that they're gonna come to their child's school and other things of that nature. That is unacceptable. And if something was to happen now, because ultimately I think that the Barb's have been doing this for so long that if they were gonna do anything by now, they would have probably done it. These are probably children that don't really know what they're talking about that we're dealing with, I hope. Because sometimes I think, wow, imagine if some of these stands are adults, how scary. That's scary that adults like this are walking around in society and acting like they're normal individuals. I really, I, I would hope that they're all teenagers that don't understand what the fuck that they're saying or doing. but. If one day someone was to really, like a barb was to really do something on a mission for Anika Mirage, what then? Do you know what I mean? Because we're not gonna act shocked. 
Like this couldn't be a possibility. Do you remember when she was mad at BET for that caption or that headline where that was wrong? I think they said something about Cardi dragging her by her lace front. They absolutely shouldn't have said that. But the fact that when that girl, after the girl from BET got fired, she put up her picture and her address, that's so fucked up, the shit that she does. The fact that she incites the barbs to to behave like this. It's disgusting. And I've seen people make comparisons to the beehive. Ultimately, I can't speak for every stan, but I, because unfortunately when you're a fan of a lot of things and you speak a lot about things, you get a lot of stans on Twitter and it's very annoying because I really want real people with their real opinions. But ultimately that's just the world we're living in. So I see a lot of stan behavior. And ultimately from the beehive specifically, I feel like there's a huge distinction with the way they behave. They just be vibes in and enjoying B's music and, you know, throwing out, you know, clips of of Beyonce doing things and saying things every so often. Like they look like they're in their own world having a great time and not bothering anybody. So I find it very interesting that people are comparing them with the Beehive because anytime they have got out of line, Beyonce has said something through her publicist and told them to stop that shit. Beyonce even had a bar saying, I'm going to I walk around with goons just in case you act all familiar. That was to the beehive. Do you know what I mean? Beyonce makes it very, very clear. You lot are mad. <laughs> you lot are fucking crazy. And I love that you support me, but calm down. Relax, you know? So I don't think that that comparison is accurate. But hey, that's enough of stan culture and only camarage. Let's move on to the next one. So in other news, let's stay in the rapper for a minute. Let's talk about Cardi B. Cardi B recently pled guilty in the 2018 assault case. I don't know if you guys remember, but I can't believe it's been since 2018. Wow, that was ages ago, it feels like. But there was an incident that happened in 2018 where Cardi B basically sent some of her people to attack two of these girls that work in this strip club in New York who allegedly, like she says, were one of them was fucking offset. I'm going to read again. I told you guys a lot of my information is coming from the Jasmine brand today because I try and be reading from Rolling Stones. But honestly, I feel like a lot of it is for people that can, you know, really make head or tail of the law like that. (laughs) And and not that it's hard to understand, but the way that they actually like organize the article, it feels confusing. Like you're going back and forth and playing ping pong with your brain. Like it's just very like, can we just formulate it like in an organized succinct manner please so uh, jasmine rider really good at that so shout out to them like i said but anyway cardi b pleaded guilty to assault and reckless endangerment charges in connection with a fight at a new york city strip club and was sentenced to 15 days of community service that is nothing so she clearly has good lawyer i mean we know that she already won the tasha k case but yeah she really got off easy she had been accused of orchestrating an attack on two sisters at queen strip club on august the 29th 2018 in retaliation against one whom she believed had sex with her husband, Offset, sources have said. Cardi B apparently suspected one of the sisters was having an affair with Offset and had previously confronted the women ages 21 and 23 in Atlanta in June 2018. On Thursday, she admitted offering $5,000 to a friend to beat up a woman who worked at the Angels Gentlemen's Club. She also admitted to throwing glass bottles in the direction of the victim and her sister herself back in 2018. In addition to the community service, Cardi B has to stay away from both victims for three years. Two co-defendants in the case also pled guilty to third-degree assault and second-degree reckless endangerment. She said in a statement, Part of growing up and maturing is being accountable for your actions. As a mother, it's a practice that I'm trying to instill in my children, but the example starts with me. I've made some bad decisions in my past that I'm not afraid to face and own up to. 
These moments don't define me and they are not reflective of who I am now. I'm looking forward to moving past this situation with my friends and my family and getting back to the things that I love the most, the music and my fans. I respect that statement. I respect that statement and I do believe her because Cardi has gradually been acting a lot more chilled and relaxed and like a different person. I have noticed that. Like I know that the bars, cause there's so many of them, they get the advantage of painting this narrative that Cardi is like obsessed with Nikki and that she's always sending shots at her. Listen, Onika, as we have discussed, sends shots at all of them. So I feel like it's weird for people to act like Cardi can't do the same thing. All female rappers do that at the end of the day. I, I can tell that Megan has, there's one or two that I'm sure are directed to to Nikki's way as well. You know, like it's, it's part of the game. It is what it is. Like we send shots at each other. Sometimes we mean that shit. Sometimes it's just part of us playing the game. It just is what it is. And I think that Cardi ultimately really doesn't care about Nikki anymore. Why would she? Like, look at her. She's got money. She's doing well, her career is, she's still on top. Do you know what I mean? She's still one of the most talked about female rappers. She's, Cardi's good. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so I feel like she ultimately doesn't really need to be invested in this Nikki Cardi beef anymore. Um, I saw a tweet very recently that said like, oh, I have an actual life outside of this. So unless you're gonna at me, like, I don't care. <laughs> and I was like, I believe that she meant that. I was just like, oh wow, we're still, mm, that's so sad. Um, <laughs> like she was like, mm. No, like if you want me for something, say my name and we can have a conversation. If not, I have a life. Um, but ultimately, where it comes to her behavior in general, I feel like, yeah, she she's quite sensitive. I can tell. So she still kind of acts, you know, a lot of people that say negative things on her. I would advise that she stays out of social media and doesn't get that invested in what people say because you're just going to be going back and forth with people all day and it really honestly isn't worth it. But I understand that sometimes it can be difficult when people say shit that you know is incorrect. You just want to, you feel the need to correct them. So that's the only thing I'd say that she still needs to work on. But apart from that, you can tell like her vibe is very chilled. Like she's just in a different place. I don't feel like she'd attack Offset side bitch today. Put it that way. <laughs> like, you know, not like that anyway. Not where she's going to hire people to, to throw bottles at them in a strip club, you know? So I feel like her taking accountability for it is a combination of, you know, wanting to stand on her shit. And also it's just the easiest thing to make the case go away, especially if she only needs to do 15 days of community service, you know? So why not just be accountable for it and just leave it in the past? Um, but the sister, I do think it's interesting that one of the sisters is saying that she didn't fuck Offset though. And I feel like if you really did, why wouldn't you just say that if she's already had you fucked up? Do you know what I mean? Like why now do I need to pretend? But it could be just wanting to go with the narrative of I'm an innocent victim. But I I, I just find that interesting. So maybe she really didn't fuck Offset. And in that case, it's like, oh, Cardi. Like it's even, cause really either way, I don't agree with what she did. Like you shouldn't, I don't agree with that kind of violence. Like, uh, you know, I know I'm a huge fan of rap. I don't live that lifestyle, you know? So I don't agree. And also I, I don't agree with taking the energy out on the woman when that man is the one who said his vows and said he'd be faithful to you and he didn't, you know? So ultimately I still don't agree with her actions in that regard, but it is even more like, oh, if she really didn't even fuck Offset. Like it's like, wow, did you really have that girl attack for no reason? But hey, it was four years ago. Cardi has pled guilty. Ultimately, the judge has commanded you do 15 days community service and stay away from them for three years. And if she does that, I don't really see a need to, you know, put too much focus on this situation any further. Um, so that's that on that. Still in the rapper sphere, let's talk about Megan the Stallion's trial. I've actually been, I, I have an episode where I go through the entire timeline of Tori and Megan. 
So you should check that out. I think it's called Megan and Tori, The Whole Story. So if you, you know, are curious as to an entire timeline up until maybe a few months ago, which there hasn't really been much of an update in the case. There's been an update with Megan's case against 1501 Entertainment, but with Tori and Meg, nothing really has been happening. So I, I believe this is the biggest update since then. So this is written, this is read from, you guessed it, the Jasmine brand. Tory Lanes and Megan Thee Stallion shooting case delayed once again. New trial date will be between November the 28th and December the 8th. This really is an ongoing trial, isn't it? I would love to know the the complexities of the legal system in America and why this is continuing to be pushed back. I, I just, I just, I wonder, I just wonder what the holdup is because Megan was shot in 2020, in July, I believe. So this is over two years at this point. But anyway... The trial surrounding the Tory Lanes and Megan Thee Stallion shooting incident has been pushed back once again. Reportedly, during the latest hearing, which took place today, September 14th, it was revealed that things would be delayed because Tory's lawyer is in the middle of another case. Okay. But surely this is a priority because it's been two years. Anyway, maybe we don't know what that other case is. Maybe that's an even bigger priority and a huger case. So who knows? In addition to that, Kelsey Nicole Harris, who is a former friend of Megan Thee Stallion and an eyewitness to the shooting, was ordered to come back on December 9th. So um, if you guys don't know, Kelsey is Megan's like ex-best friend who was also present at the shooting, like the article says. According to a reporter who was present in the courtroom, Tory Lanes, 30, did not attend his pre-trial court hearing today, July 28th, in the Megan Thee Stallion 27 assault case. While limited information has been provided, his lawyers have reportedly asked for the Canadian singer's court date to be postponed to September the 14th. The reason for the postponing date is allegedly due to a scheduling conflict. According to the sources, the judge called the postponing premature and ruled for a new court date of August 12th to see if the alleged conflicts have cleared up. As previously reported in July 2020, Megan Thee Stallion was shot in the feet after a night out with Tory Lanez and her former friend Kelsey Nicole. Initially, the Grammy Award-winning artist didn't share who shot her. However, after Tory Lanez's team allegedly tried to spread false narratives about what went down, Megan came forward and claimed Tory Lanez is the one who pulled the trigger. Reportedly, Kelsey Nicole was present at the time of the shooting, and even sent a text after the incident claiming Tori shot her then friend. That is not alleged, by the way, that text. So I would just like to clarify that that Gail King interview where they retrieved Kelsey sending a text saying Tori shot Megan. Why isn't anyone talking about that, I wonder? Why is there still so much doubt about the fact that Tori shot Meg if we have now verified? And I'm sure, and I knew it was verified at the time because they would never put it on Gail King's platform if it wasn't. That, that text was sent by Kelsey to somebody. So Tory shot Meg. I don't care what none of you say. I always knew and believed that personally. I even have friends that try and gaslight me. And I'm like, if you lot come to me with something that makes more sense, cool. I can maybe start to believe that there's another alternative narrative out there. But nothing anybody says ever makes any more sense than the fact that Tory shot Meg and he just doesn't want to admit it. Because why would he? You shot a woman. Anyway. However, since then, Kelsey hasn't said much about the incident or confirmed Megan's side of the story. Allegedly, Tory paid her off. That's Megan's side of the story, which would fit. Last month, during a previous interview, Megan Thee Stallion alluded that her former best friend, Kelsey Nicole, was paid off by Tory. Uh, what I just said. According to Megan, just two days after the traumatic event occurred, Kelsey Nicole had a secret meeting with Tory. And then it goes on to the full story on the Jasmine brand, but it's really just going to be a retelling of what we already know. So ultimately, the point here is that the case has been pushed back again to November the 28th 
and December, sorry, a date between November the 28th and December 8th. And they have subpoenaed Kelsey to show up to court, which she did. And they've ordered her to come back to court on the December the 9th, um, which is funny because isn't the date between 28th and 8th of December? Why is Kelsey come to court afterwards? I guess there's a reason. It seems to me reading in between the lines of the article, I might have answered my own question. Maybe it just keeps getting pushed back because the judges and the lawyers just keep getting other cases that are more of a priority. So they have to just take them. That, that's what it sounds like to me that, you know, that they'll reschedule and schedule things, but then there's a conflict because other trials and other cases come up. So they have to push it back, which I do understand. Ultimately, uh, while they are big celebrities and this is a huge case with a lot of attention, Megan is ultimately fine now. So I guess they don't see it as a big, you know, huge priority compared to other cases that they might be dealing with. So perhaps that answers my question. But yeah, I hope that justice is served. I really hope that this doesn't get pushed into 2023 because bruh, at some point, a, a verdict has to be made. You know, like, bruh, 2023, like, do you know what I mean? So I hope that it just gets cleared up as soon as possible and that there's justice spoken. Cause I know for a fact, if a nigga shot me, I would want him in jail. So yeah, we'll just have to see how that plays out, child. And the last thing we're going to get to in hot topics. Ugh, let's see what Ray J has to say since he's been gagging for our attention. Okay, so before I play these clips of Ray J ranting, just for a little bit of context, the other day, Chris and Kylie Jenner went on the Late Late Show with James Corden and Chris Jenner did a lie detector test. I say lie detector test in inverted commas because number one, we all know that lie detector tests are not like, 100% proven they're not even admissible in court so that tells you that it doesn't really matter you can still pass a lie detector test and you know it doesn't necessarily mean you're not lying I even remember watching marriage boot camp and I think was it Lil Mo's husband who was literally whispering to someone how he knows how to pass a lie detector test while lying you know like I'm sure <laughs> lying ass men know how to do that so as in that have been in that situation before so yeah there's that and number two even if it was let's say a lie detector test was 100% accurate. James Corden is your friend. Like your friend doing a lie detector test on you does not tell me a damn thing. Like this is why media is getting annoying and gaslighty. Like I wonder who's falling for it at this point with certain things. Cause it's like, who are you trying to fool? Like that doesn't determine anything. But anyway, they did a lie detector test. And during this test, James Corden asked Chris if she released a sex tape of Kim, if Kim Kardashian and Ray J. And Chris said no, and it the results were that she wasn't lying. <gasps> oh my God, that proves everything. Not. So Ray J saw that and started going crazy. So let me just, you know what you had to say, child. I don't know what the f you think this is, but you have with the wrong person. Period. You have with the wrong black person. Period. With the wrong black man. Oh no, you don't the wrong one. I was just gonna handle this legally, right? And just hit you in court and just get what I'm deserved from all of y'all being foul and trying to defame me, trying to make me look bad. When you know what's up in one hour. I'm having them send everything I got 
We going through receipts tonight, Chris. We going through receipts tonight, Kim. Everything that I got, I'm going to let them see. I'm just going to read the caption before I go on to the next clip. You fuck with the wrong black man, Chris Jenner, at Kim Kardashian. So he said Chris Jenner, but added Kim Kardashian. I feel like it's probably because Chris Jenner hasn't blocked. I don't give a fuck how old this shit is. What you trying to do to me is almost inhumane and foul at the highest level. Fuck this being just racist. This is wrong to do to anybody. You think you, you think you can just fuck, oh, the grammar child. You think you can just fuck people over and get away with it forever. That's where you are wrong. I represent God's army, not God's army. Oh my God, it's giving Kanye. And now it's about to be an easy win on you devils and con artist. <sighs> you stole all that money from my mum and sister, over 800K. Oh, now you care about that, Ray J. I've never heard you speak on that. Okay, interesting. Over 800K and you had to pay it back because you were guilty and the judge ordered it. Didn't you fuck her after that though? I'm sure you did, but let's, we move. You tried to bury that just like you're trying to bury me. You never sued Steve Hirsch for five mil because we all made that up together. It was your mum's idea. You want to take a fake lie detector test with John Grogan. All you got to do is Google him and look what comes up. Clown shit. John Grogan is a fake. He is not a polygraph examiner. He is quite accurately known as a polygraph parasite. He's been convicted of 26 counts of fraud and he had his PI license pulled from him and he simply became a well-known polygraph examiner. It's all BS. He never graduated from a polygraph school. Oh, wow, there's a polygraph school? Interesting. I'm not going to take Ray J's word for it, but I will look this up later. And everyone knows him for what he is. And I can't believe he has things to go on a radio show, have people like me listen and expect not to be disclosed. This is the dude Chris Jenner had taking her lie detector test to make me look like a liar. And what's more sad is the network allowed it to happen. Everybody is getting sued because for because for defamation. That's what he said. You thought Kim and Chris stories was true. So you ran the story. Facts are it's completely false. I can't wait to show you the truth. I don't give a fuck what anybody say or feel at this point. You already think I'm a horrible person from what they've been making me look like. By the way, I believe that he's really mad because he's going in and out of caps or caps and like lowercase. And I'm just like, what is going on here? You were definitely angry when you typed this. You already think I'm a horrible person for, from what they've been making me look like. I'm going on the biggest run of my life tonight to clear my name of this negativity and show you these people are fucking devils after this finale. <laughs> Not finale. Then we can be done with this. I'm fired up tonight. This is for my kids. No one can stop me. I'm overseas at a villa in hashtag Dominican Republic. Don't matter, it's on. Kim has a type, doesn't she? <laughs> because Kanye could have wrote this. Like, she really has a type. She likes a weird type of man. Anyway. Kim Kardashian got her handwriting and her fingerprints all over my contract. When you look at the two, when you look at my signature and you look at her signature on my deliverables, that's say sex tape number one sex tape number two and guess what the third sex tape or the second they've been trying to play me on it called santa barbara sex her mama made us go shoot it for safety she watched the mother and said hey we're gonna go with the first one because the first one is better it gives my daughter a better look than the second one that i made y'all go do but you watched it and made a decision 
and then you get on whatever show you was on and take a lie detector test with a fraud. Now, that detail of it was weird and disturbing to me. Not surprising because Kris Jenner and Kim Kardashian and their whole family has been giving me weird and disturbing for a while now. But the fact that, because I believe Ray J, that's not the point of why I'm, and we'll get into my opinion later, but that's so weird to sit and watch your daughter's sex tape and decide which is better to put out there for fame. That's weird. Like... Ew, <laughs> that's so disgusting. And I totally believe it. I have no trouble believing it because, yeah, we'll, we'll, let's, let's, let's just continue. Okay, so I won't play this one because there's no point because he's not really saying much. But essentially, in the middle of his rant, Kim blocked him, which is like, you know, I, I believe you, Ray J, but of course Kim's going to block you. I block you too. Like, the fuck? <laughs> Um, so that was just funny. And then the Shade Room posted a screenshot of Ray J's profile on Instagram. Uh, his bio re read, John Grogan is a fraud and so is Chris and King. Somebody's going to jail. Click link. I'm guessing it's a link to John Grogan's background like he was talking about in his earlier caption. Uh, it's just like, okay, Ray J, nobody's going to jail, but fine. You want to see the sex tape contract? There go the sex tape contract. There, there it is. There's the whole thing, right? That's the set. That's my handwriting. That's it, right? This is the sex tape full contract. So that's my handwriting. Here's what happens. Kim is rushing me. Her mom's rushing me. Let's get this done. Come on, like, let's get it signed. Kim's with me while I'm signing my contract. She's like, hurry up, babe. Matter of fact, I'll go ahead and help you. I'm going to sign your deliverables for you so you can just rush it through. So Kim signs the deliverables, exactly what we about to sell to Vivid. It's her signature. I mean, it's her handwriting. Given... Giving Steve the, the, giving him the right to sell it. Like, here's the deliverables, and look who signed my deliverables and was in the room. Look who, look who was in the room with me. Look who wrote exact. You want to see the sex tape contract? I forgot that his name was Willie Ray. <laughs> Willie Ray Norwood. Ah, oh, he... He he looks like a Willie Ray Norwood, doesn't he? <laughs> when you think about it. But anyway. Um, yeah, and then after that he posted like a little side by side, like um, you know, the the writing of the sex tape where Kim's or allegedly Kim, but it looks like it is Kim. Carbo intro, carbo sex, <laughs> Santa Barbara, and I feel like it's really funny that she wrote Santa Barbara. That's so funny because our son's called Saint. Look at that. Manifesting with a spelling mistake. I'm just sorry, just being silly. But yeah, I don't know. Um, but she corrected that to say Santa Barbara. Anyway, and he's compared that with a letter that Kim wrote to him. Uh, I'm assuming when they were dating, when, you know, she's just writing all this sweet stuff. It's like, you're in a rush to finish packing. I love you. I'll love on you more later. Your baby forever, Kimmy. Aww. Anyway, yeah. So it does look like this, this handwriting 100% matches up. It looks the same, definitely written by the same person. But this is my thing, because that's the end of the, the recordings. I just wanted to give you guys context for those of you that might not have seen all the lives, because there was a lot. Because it felt like Ray J was going live for 24 hours. Like, I don't know if it was really that long, but it was overnight for, for us here in the UK. So it felt like I went to bed and I woke up and Ray J was still going live. So it was like, wow, this man is really doing a lot of talking. Ray J also followed that up by putting up screenshots of the emails between Steve Hirsch, who I believe was the CEO of Vivid Entertainment at the time. Vivid Entertainment are the company that released the sex tape. 
uh, email exchanges between him and Kim from 1st of May 2007. And he's saying, hey, guys, here's the first statement. 1.4 mil in sales this month. One, I think. That's pretty good. All backup is available by customer pricing, etc. And there's also a screenshot of the revenue that was made from the DVD, from the, from the sex tape. I can't really tell who took away what, but it looks like it grossed about $1,255,578.5. So, so with all of this in mind, do I believe Ray J? Absolutely. But I always thought that that was the case. And I always thought that, that the majority of people knew that the sex tape was put out by the Kardashians. Like, he's not telling us anything new. This might have only been confirmed recently because a few weeks ago, Ray J confirmed this and it was put up on all the blogs. He spoke about it on Love and Hip Hop Miami. And this is actually my point that I'm going to get to later. But number one, I'm not surprised. And I don't think many people are. This was one of the biggest untold secrets in the industry. We knew that sex tape was put out by the Kardashians. It was very, very obvious. Firstly, that whole family, particularly Kim and Chris, are desperate for fame and it shows. If you look at all of their movements that have ensued since the sex tape, it's very clear where the wind is blowing. And it's very clear that it was an intentional thing that they did to gain fame. And also the fact that they didn't actually follow through with the lawsuit to Vivid Entertainment was the indication to me that that even as a young person, because how old was I at the time? I wouldn't have known at the time, but this would have been a few years on from the sex tape, maybe 2010 to 2012. But I remember specifically looking up, can you actually leak a sex tape or put out a sex tape without somebody's permission and not get sued? or not get some kind of punishment. And you couldn't because you haven't been able to since the days of Pam and Tommy. And I remember like when that whole, that's why that whole Pam and Tommy thing was a huge scandal. Other than the fact there was a celebrity sex tape, which they hadn't seen the likes of. I've actually recently seen the Pam and Tommy miniseries on Disney Plus. You should really check it out. It was really, really good, really enjoyed it. But it was very interesting to see how people felt so entitled to, look at Pam and Tommy's vulnerable moments on that tape and had no regard or empathy towards them and the fact that they were violated. So since then, it has been a crime to do such a thing. You can't just acquire a celebrity sex tape and just put it out for the world to see and think everything is going to be fine and dandy. Since Pam and Tommy, because of that case, you cannot do that. So from the fact that that was never, legal action was never pursued, it was pretty obvious that it was a, a plan that was probably constructed by the Kardashians because look at how they've been moving ever since then. But I just don't really know what Ray J wants us to do about it. Like, I'm just very confused because it doesn't really sound like you're mad about the fact that they, because you were an active participant in this. You didn't have to do it. You did it willingly. You signed contracts at the end of the day. So I'm. it sounds to me like you're upset because it's benefited the Kardashians more than it's benefited you. That was always going to be the case, sir. Honestly, that sex tape was the, probably the stupidest thing you could have done because you were already Brandy's brother. And I feel like that's what made him like want to break out of the spot. Like he wanted to be known for something else other than being Brandy's little brother. But that would have been way better than this, number one. And number two, the sex tape is always going to get more attention on the woman, whether or not that be positive or negative attention, usually going to be negative because we live in that kind of society. 
it's going to be more on the woman. So any kind of positivity that comes out of that is probably going to be more in the favor of the woman because the woman gets the most attention off of the tape. So you didn't really think it through like that, if I'm honest. Because if you were to ask Tommy Lee what that sex tape has done for him, he couldn't give you many yards. Like, in fact, if you watch the miniseries, like I said, you will see that his career started to tank at that point. And Pam Anderson's unfortunately did in a way as well, because she was actually at the time wanting to be renowned and well-known for a serious actress, which was already difficult. Her being, you know, on Baywatch, blonde, big boobs, you know, like in the patriarchal society we live in, she's automatically going to be looked at and not taken seriously. So she was taking slow steps with her publicist and her team to step away from that. And the sex tape completely fucked that up. So I actually felt really sorry for Pam at the end of the miniseries. And I still do, because you can tell she still wants no parts of this. She didn't input anything into that miniseries. She wouldn't help them or give them any insight. Like she just does not want to be known for it. And which is unfortunately not possible at this stage, but like she just, yeah, you can tell like she don't want no parts. But if you were to ask Tommy Lee now, it hasn't done anything for them. While you could make the case that it didn't really do much for either of them, at least Pam Anderson is a household name, you know? For the sex tape is the number one thing on the list, but ultimately Pam Anderson has done other things. The first time I saw her personally was on Eight Simple Rules. She played like a, a cameo, that wasn't a cameo, but it was like a recurring character that came on two or three times. And Baywatch is huge, do you know what I mean? Like she's known for Baywatch and that would be number two under the sex tape. So you could still say, that Pam Anderson is talked about more with more favor than Tommy Lee. No one talks about Tommy Lee now, unless you're a fan of the Motley crew, you know? But ultimately I feel like Ray J is doing what Kim is doing, where they're both talking about it for the sake of ratings for their reality show. Because Ray J brought it up on Love and Hip Hop Miami, just like she brought it up on the Kardashians. And he's insisting that the reason why he's fighting back is because she said something on the show that said, oh, maybe there's another sex tape out there. Like, I don't know, maybe he stuck a dildo up my ass when I was sleeping and I didn't know, da, da, da. So it sounds when you take it out of context that they're alleging that he assaulted her. But I actually watched that episode for some reason because I was just curious to see what the Kardashians is giving on their new version of the show. It's not giving at all, spoiler. But yeah, if you actually watched it in context, even the clip, you don't even have to watch the whole episode. If you watch that clip itself, it was obvious that Kim wasn't being serious. There's no way that anyone that saw the clip or saw the show thinks that Ray J assaulted her. She said it in jest, like she laughed while she said it. So Ray J can't convince me that that's the reason why he's doing all of this. He's doing all of this because he wants to be talked about. And the only way to be talked about is to be attached to this sex tape because it's one of the biggest things that he's known for. Nobody's interested in him in princess fighting. It's boring. And essentially you look like a dickhead, which he is. Like if you watch Love and Hip Hop Miami, you know, like, oh, the way he was... Can you lot, like, I'm not even going to go into Love and Hip Hop Miami too much detail because I've been talking so much, but can you lot imagine that he was angry at Princess for not visiting, visiting him in the hospital when he had pneumonia? By the way, it was during the pandemic, so she couldn't. But even if she could, can you imagine that the last time he and her were having an exchange, she'd recently found out that she he had bitches in their house wearing her clothes. Can you imagine? You're already cheating on me up and down, left, right, and center, right? Cheating on me with prostitutes and strippers. And I don't, you know, shame any sex workers at all. Get your money, sis. But I do understand the added, how the fuck can you do this to me when your man is cheating on you with women who 
are doing it as a job because it's like you have a wife and you're paying for pussy. Like what? Like, do you know what I mean? I can understand that because it's like you literally have a wife that you can have sex with and you're actually like, it's like you're paying to disrespect me. Like, do you know what I mean? So there's already that. And then you have these bitches in my house, in my house, wearing my clothes. And you're asking me why I don't want to visit you in the hospital when you're sick. Suck my dick. Like, I was just like, I don't even like princess. I don't even like princess. She gets on my fucking nerves. But my God, sir. My God. Oh, the disrespect. So that is not enough anymore because we've seen him disrespect princess for years. It's the same old, like that added, that was the only thing I could take away with, which is why I mentioned it, from the show. So you have to do something else to get attention now. It can't be music because unfortunately you were outside of One Wish and Sexy Can I, we were never paying attention to film music like that in the first place. But you have a thriving business. I think his scooty bikes and his Ray Pods and whatever, and all the other things that he sells, I believe they do very well. So I don't really understand that. I feel like a lot of people in the entertainment industry are in the entertainment industry, and we'll get onto that when we get into reality, our new segment, are very narcissistic. Like, why isn't money enough? Why do you need people to talk about you constantly? Why do you need fame? Why do you need your name to be out there all the time? It's very, very weird because you have money, Willie Ray Norwood. You have money. It's just odd. So I truly believe that he just, he's just doing what Kim's doing. In fact, they probably are planning this together. I wouldn't even be surprised. You know what? When I saw him send those screenshots, because he put up screenshots of him reaching out to her recently. And it was clearly the first time he'd hit her up in a long time. But it was a little bit flirty. And it made me think, oh my God, imagine if they get back together. Can I just make a prediction? Because I was thinking about this earlier the other day. I genuinely feel like that might be a possibility. Now that he and Princess are, actually, I think they're actually like getting a divorce now. Because I think Princess was with some other guy. And obviously Kim and Kanye are divorced. I genuinely feel like I can predict that. I see it. I see Ray J and Kim getting back together for the sake of publicity. I see it. I see it. And that was what I was thinking when I saw that screenshot. Cause I was like, this is a little bit flirty considering you haven't spoken to her in a long time. And you know, you both have had mar marriage and kids since then, you know? Like, oh, could you both be desperate enough for clout and attention? I think you could. But anyway, the. The point I will finish with, with that regard is, sir, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? Ultimately, it's giving Kanye that you lot will hook up with these women and you will try and implore black women because they are absolutely, I can tell, you can tell by the buzzwords he's using and the things that he's saying. Same with Kanye. That's why I said it's giving Kanye the whole time I was reading what he was saying. You are trying to invoke a reaction in black women so that we will form formulate an army for you and get at Kim. For what? And I don't like Kim Kardashian. Please don't misunderstand that. There are things that lady does that make me aggravated. And well, not anymore. I'm used to it now. But like back, you know, in the, in the recent years, I'll see certain things and be like, mm. okay. So I, I'm not even trying to take her side like that. But let's not act like Kim ever misrepresented herself, is what I'm saying. She was always very clear about who she was. You lot wanted to go over there. So don't now 
try and get us to fight for you because it's not going your way. Nah. Mm-mm. That's what we won't do. No. I really don't see what Kim right now is doing wrong. Definitely she's raising the sex tape issue at, for clickbait for a show. Absolutely. I agree with that. But so is Ray J. They're both doing that. Kanye upset because he's obsessed. He's upset that his daughters will be forced to do Playboy and be obsessed with sex. Isn't the fact that Kim put herself out there as this sex icon and symbol, or let me say symbol, not icon. Isn't that part why you married her? Now you're upset because you're worrying about the effect that it's going to have on your daughters. Shouldn't you have worried about that before you breeded her? Like, I don't understand what you want us to do about it. I'm very confused. And yeah, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I uh, I didn't even really do anything. Like I usually comment on things. I, I try and comment more and more now as I see things happening that are hot topics. But I had nothing to say to that at all. Like, Ray J, what do you want me to do about this? I hope Brandy's good. That, that's all I have to say to Ray J if I wanted to say anything. Is Brandy okay? Is she good? Um, And get therapy, get help because... I do feel like ultimately there's a reason that there's there's a deeper underlying reason as to why you're so thirsty for attention when you don't need it. Like you have money, you're doing fine. Even the way you treat your wife, the mother of your children is very disturbing. Like I feel like you have issues that you need to focus on and you should leave the Kardashians alone. But you won't. He's going to continue to talk about this for as long as it's a trending topic and then he'll be on to the next thing. Or him and Kim will get back together. That's my prediction. I think by the end of next year, they, we will have seen them, even, even if we don't see them get back together, we might see them be having dinner in a spot where they know they're gonna be photographed, shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't see why they wouldn't. They're both thirsty for attention. They both have that in common. <gasps> Imagine if they do another sex tape. No, they won't. They won't, Kim, Kim won't do that. <laughs> she won't do that, because why? What's the point? For what? But yeah, I do think that that's likely. Even if it's not a real get back together, like even if it's just, you know, for the purpose of getting attention and it's fake. I think, yeah, I think we could, we could, it wouldn't be a crazy expectation at this point. But yeah, that concludes Hot Topics for today. I got hot sauce in my bag, swag. So let's get into the reality segment next. So this is a fairly new segment where it's basically just a focus on the cast members of reality shows that I watch regularly. So things like Real Housewives, specifically Atlanta, Beverly Hills. I've started watching Real Housewives of Dubai. What else do I watch? Is that all the real? Oh, Potomac, of course, Salt Lake City, um, you know, the love and hip hops, those type of things. So we're going to stay on Real Housewives for reality. It's actually going to be a short segment because there's only a couple of things I want to talk about. Let's get into this She by Sheree mess. So, you know, by the way, it's actually so interesting. I'm re-watching Atlanta. So I've just got to season six. So I've watched, you know, the first few seasons of Sheree. And it just reminded me of how boring she was as a housewife. She did not offer anything. It was just the bone collecting. And now when you watch it back, it's so basic because that's basically this, the assignment of being a housewife, essentially. Like she was just so, so dull. And very frustrating. And and now when you look back on everything, anyway, we'll get into my opinion on Sheree. Let's just speak about the Sheree nonsense first. So 
If you guys are familiar with Sheree and the show, you'll know that She by Sheree is a non-existent fashion line that she's been working on for some time. And it's been 14 years in total. Basically, there was a fashion show with no fashions. It was hella embarrassing. And she never came back from it. And she was insisting that this year, this recent season where Sheree's come back, why, I don't know. Uh, she was insisting that this was the year that she was going to prove people wrong and finally make She by Sheree a huge thing. I I should have really known from then that she was capping because you've had 14 years to do it. So if you were really that serious, you didn't even need the platform at Bravo to catapult you. She by Sheree has been talked about since then in jest, as a joke, online and things like that. You could have easily made a successful line. You didn't even have to design it yourself. You could have hired a designer, hired a manufacturer. You have the money to invest. Where from, I don't know. But she has the money to invest. So she could have even done that ages ago if she wanted to. The fact that she only decided to do it this year should have already been suspicious to me. But anyway, the finale of season 14 of Real Housewives of Atlanta was the She by Sheree show. The entire season... She'd been saying how she'd invested a million dollars, but she didn't. She still didn't have any samples. They were lost in Alaska. They were lost here. They were lost there. And she was very blasé about the whole thing the entire season. She was acting like she was freaking out. But I'm like, no, you're not stressed enough as someone who insists that they've invested a million dollars in something that isn't even physically in your hands yet. Like, how do you not have samples? Why are you throwing money away? I don't believe that she invested that much money. She Even she said that she was just exaggerating. And I think that she basically lied for a storyline because the day of the finale, the She by Sheree website went up and the disrespect of Sheree. She is selling t-shirts that she got from the same manufacturers as the Fashion Novas and the Shein's, put through an emoji or She by Sheree logo on it, didn't even take the time to steam them or iron the clothes. So they're all on the website wrinkled, which I think is like, that's actually so disrespectful to yourself that you did that, but we move. And she has the audacity to sell them for $142, $182. You know what's so funny? Let me even, cause I've got a few of them up. There's a couple t-shirts that are 72, no $82 without her signature, but 100, and $42 with her signature. So you trying to tell me that your signature is worth $60? Should I get the fuck out of my face? Like, I cannot believe that it took her 14 years to provide this as a service. And the funny thing is, the actual fashion show on the finale of the show seemed to be successful. So I, initially I thought she was just lying about the stress of putting together everything for the storyline, but she really had the samples the whole time and she had the line ready to go. That would have even been ideal because I understand you're still a housewife. You have to provide something to the show. So I wouldn't even have blamed her so much for just lying about, you know, all the things that were going wrong, but you really had the, the real line tucked away because some of the pieces on the runway looked all right. Like there were a couple of things I would have bought. They looked nice. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? You got it together in the end. You finally made She by Sheree. Well done. Only for the website to come out with the clothes that aren't even being displayed on the runway in the finale. And it's just like, who is going to buy this? Who is going to buy this? There's, there's tracksuits for $252 on here. 
Ivy Park is not even that much. How can you charge more than Beyonce? Like, I just, I, I really don't understand. And I'm just going to read out this post that was made on the day of the show of the finale, I believe. So this is a message from a designer called Tyree, I think. And like I said, he posted this on the day of the finale after we'd seen... No, I think it was the day after when, because the website wasn't working on the day of the finale um, because she said it was such a inf high influx of orders. So the next day it was up and then that's when everyone saw all this bullshit. Then he released this, this caption. What kills me is it doesn't matter how genuine and how honest you try to be with people, they will worry about yourself and play you if they can. They will worry about themselves, I think he meant, and play you if they can. This lady, Sheree, Housewives of Atlanta, shit by Sheree. <laughs> Sorry, that's the funniest part for me. Shit by Sheree. Didn't have, didn't have really no clothes or style for her fashion show. Not only was I on set altering clothes the day of, spent $2,500 on my own to meet the deadline and make it happen. Not only she takes all the, sorry, the way he's writing is really pissing me off. Not only she takes all the credit, never said thank you. And it was on national TV last night and I made her fully look good, finally look good out of 14 years of trying. This lady still at least never, this lady still never at least just reimbursed me, let alone pay me, SMH. I made her 40 pieces of clothes, less than a week. Oh, wow. He must've been angry because, uh, well, the grammar, the, the missing words is stressing me the fuck out. She not gonna give, she not gonna give me, she not gonna make a dollar off that clothing line cause God don't play about me and I ain't given her no patterns or ideas no more. So that's that. What you saw last night was echoes of my years in fashion and making people millionaires. If you knew all the companies that come to me for designs and ideas and samples, you'd hit the floor in disbelief. I care less to be famous, but pay me and respect what I do and did for you. So Tyree, God, it is, you know when it's much easier to read it in your head, even with the bad grammar, but then when you read it out loud, it's like, what? So sorry about that. I hope it made sense to you guys. But essentially what Tyree is trying to say is that he was stitching and putting together pieces right to the deadline. So on the finale of the show. And if you watch the finale, she was two hours late to start the show. So this would make sense if that is the case. And the fact that these clothes are not up on her website to sell and distribute. It, so I do believe this designer because those things tie into what we've seen so far and good for him. I, I really feel bad for him if he, that he didn't get his money because that's some bullshit working that hard, not even to get reimbursed, but or to get paid on top of it. Like absolute madness. But I also feel like people should really, really learn their lesson by now where it comes to Sheree. Sheree Whitfield does not pay people. Like that's been said several times on Housewives. On the recent episode of The Reunion, she literally said that if she feels like she doesn't like your quality of work, she's not going to pay for you. That's not how it works. If there's an issue or you didn't like the way something was done, you discuss that with the person, you maybe negotiate a discount, or some kind of compensation. And if it's that bad, next time you don't ever use their service again. That's how it works. At the end of the day, the fact that someone's provided a service or a product for you, you are not absolved of paying for it because you don't like it. Because you know Sheree's that type of person that she probably just says she doesn't like anything because she don't want to pay. Anyway, let me just play this little clip very quickly. So Sheree did an interview with some random white guy. Sorry, I didn't do my research, but I didn't bother because I don't like it when people interview people and they don't, either they don't do their thorough research enough to understand why the backlash exists or they are aware of why the backlash exists, but they're still like 
you know, maybe they're Sheree's friend or they've negotiated a deal where they're trying to make her look better or good in some way. So they're trying to act like she's not a scammer, basically, <laughs> when she is. So anyway, let me play the clips. So one of them is speaking to her clothes being compared to Shein's designs. And another one is speaking to the price. So I'm going to play both. What do you make of the comparisons to this one sweatsuit that somebody saw on Sheen or Shine? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. And you guys alluded to that with the, with the discount code. But what, what, what do you, what do you make of that? You know what? I guess we're all, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten a good um, production management, and they're, you know, they came up with the idea to maybe incorporate some other pieces that, you know, a few other pieces with my custom pieces that will offer, you know, different price points for different people. And, you know, everybody won't, like, oh, I'm, I'm in a crop top right now. Everybody can't wear, you know, won't wear a crop top. So incorporating other merch into the uh, line. I'm not designing everything. I don't design hats. I don't design, you know, things like that. So all I can say is that apparently Sheen or Cheyenne or whatever, they shop at the same um, right. production. Uh, it's, 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 like, it's like a licensed uh, design, not, right? It's like a, it's like a licensed design. Like it's yeah. Private label. Yeah, but shame on that private label for selling anything that you sell to, oh, what's, the, what's the big one, um, Fashion Nova or Sheen, you shouldn't sell right. to anybody else. Yeah, to, to, <laughs> to make fa fast fashion and, places. Yeah, Yeah, huge volumes, yeah. Right, but the difference is that you you have your own logo on that, right, exactly. Yeah, but you know what, this isn't the first time that this has been done. I don't understand why people hold me to a different, you know, degree than everybody else. Any of these online boutiques, any of these, a lot of these stores you go to, a lot of designers, they... It's called private label. They're yeah. not necessarily designing every garment in their line. Mm -hmm. And some are not designing any of them. Yeah. Sheree you know? is obviously being purposefully obtuse. The issue isn't that you are hiring a third party manufacturer or, you know, distribute design, whatever. The issue is that you are using the same ones as the Fashion Nova's and Shein's, but you're, you're charging ridiculous prices for them which you shouldn't expect people to pay for the quality of service or product that you're providing. Like one of them is an, is a tongue face emoji for fuck's sake. And it's $182 with her signature on it. Like don't piss me off. <laughs> so this clip is speaking to the price of the clothes. The price is too high. Okay. I know they talked about a t-shirt. So uh, t-shirts we're, 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 we're offering two prices. And it's a scroll down. It's a, it's a drop down. I guess a lot of people, uh, somebody texted me last night, hey, we're, we're clicking on this t-shirt and it says one price and then it's giving us another price. It's a drop down where I am physically hand signing every t-shirt. When they say they want Sheree's signature, they're getting my signature. They're not getting a print. They're not getting something that's screen printed that's already on the t-shirt. They're getting me actually taking my time, my energy to sign your energy or t-shirt yeah. or sweatshirt or whatever it is. Right. And that, that's not free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sheree yeah, makes me really angry. Like it's, it's giving me PTSD of any time she would avoid and dodge and duck a question on Real Housewives reunions. Like it really frustrates the fuck out of me because are you really going to sit here and act like your energy to sign, to pick up a pen and sign your own signature is worth $60? On top of the fact that the t-shirt itself is already overpriced. 
Sheree, who the fuck do you think you actually are? Like, like, who do you think you are? Like, you're a housewife. Do you know what I mean? Like, a housewife who really hasn't done much other than be on the show. Like, she's one of the housewives that has utilized their platform the least. But you think that a t-shirt with your signature on it is worth $182? And I'm confused because I actually looked at the clothes the day that they came out on the show and recently. And the signatures weren't even on there until recently. They weren't on there initially, but they were still priced that way. She's only just given two different options. Like I said earlier, one being $82 without her signature, one being $182. Before they were just, I think they were $142. So you're still pricing them ridiculously even without your signature. So what the fuck is your point? <sighs> anyway, let this be a lesson to everybody not to trust uh, anybody like in, in terms of the people in Atlanta that are around Sheree. Don't use that lady for anything. Don't go into business with her. Don't go halves on a party with her like Drew. Don't do anything. Like, and I love Drew, but I was like, yeah, she's not going to pay you back. Don't do anything of the sort with her because you won't see your money. And I do think Sheree is a scammer because you can't possibly expect me to believe that your clothes are going to be sold out with the way with the way that you're displaying them on your website and the price that you're charging for them, knowing that you didn't invest that much to be pricing it the way that you are. Like you could have literally got those blank t-shirts from any fucking wear for $30. And I'm sure it, I, I can't tell you the exact specifics of how much it would cost to get a fucking emoji put on it, but I'm sure it's not very expensive. So you can't, you can't possibly tell me that you think consumers are that dumb, that they're going to play those prices and you're going to get so many orders that your website is going to, your line is going to be completely sold out. I, I think that she's just throwing them on there in the hopes that she gets at least a few. Because if a few people purchase, it's still a few grand. You know, if she gets 10, 20 orders, I, I can't imagine she's anticipating getting much more than that. Because you would work harder to provide a good product if you really were genuinely trying to get people's money. I think that she's just scamming. She's just trying to get as much as she can get without doing any work, like Sheree does. Andy, don't bring her back. I don't know why you brought her back in the first place. I feel like a lot of it was banking on Tyrone being her storyline, but we didn't even care about that. Like, uh, everything about her and her storyline is so tired. Like, it's making me tired. Let's just move on to the next topic. So let's talk about Erica Jane. I told you we were gonna focus on Housewives for the reality segment this week. So I don't think I've spoken about Erica's case in detail on the show before, but I'm sure anyone who is familiar with the show and her lawsuit, you would know that her and her ex-husband, or I don't know if the divorce is final, so let's just say her husband for now, Tom Girardi, are being sued for a number of things. So let me actually pull up my phone. Sorry, you guys, I'm going to be reading my notes because there's a lot to get into with Erica. So Tom Girardi and Erica Jane are being accused of embezzlement and a number of other things. They're being sued in a number of civil lawsuits along with Erica's company, EJ Global. I'll go into why I say company in a little bit. They're being sued for racketeering, conspiracy to commit racketeering, fraud. Erica's being sued for aiding and abetting, child, the list goes on. So initially I thought that it was likely that Erica might have had a little inkling of what Tom was up to, but you know, was kind of just acting blissfully ignorant. Like, you know, that wife that was like, yeah, I think he's into some illegal dodgy shit, but I'm just gonna mind my business and go shopping, you know? But now after doing my thorough research in the case, it is pretty clear 
that they, to me anyway, that her and Tom and a number of other people, because this is a whole big operation at this point, are co-conspirators in this. I 100% 100 believe that woman is guilty. And I hope she goes to jail because I'm sure criminal charges are coming. But I'll go into that in a little bit. And just to make it clear, this, the lawsuit that I'm going to be drawing from is the main one that keeps coming up on the show, which is the Lion Air plane crash. So yeah, I do believe that Erica is much more guilty of everything she's been accused of than she's making out on the show. So I'm just going to read this quote from the lawsuit, which is Adelson PC versus Tom and Erica Girardi and co. So Adelson PC are the law firm who are acting on behalf of the clients of the Lion Air crash. Tom and Erica Girardi purposely portrayed themselves to the public as an extremely wealthy Beverly Hills power couple. When Erica joined the cast of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills in 2015, she dazzled viewers by showing off their extravagant lifestyle and her exorbitant spending habits, including her never-ending parade of designer clothes and high-end jewellery, her $250,000 Lamborghini Hurricane, and her personal 24-7 Glam Squad. I love how... Why is Glam Squad in inverted commas? That's so shady. Anyway... Team, because that's in the lawsuit. I don't know why they put it in thirty comments. But anyway, Glam Squad team that she paid $40,000 a month to pick out her clothes and do her hair and makeup. See, the hair and makeup was fine, but that is way too much for the clothes that you wore because her clothes were ugly. Like, that's what gets me about all of this. After all of this shit, your clothes are still ugly. And that is what gets me. Anyway. Spending money was so much a part of Erica's personality on the show that she released a song called Expensive, which featured the refrain, it's expensive to be me. In her 2018 memoir, Pretty Mess, Erica readily bragged that she has the advantage of a strong checkbook and even discussed her and Tom's finances. Now the haters are always going to say, all you do is spend your husband's money. First of all, it's our money. Know how I know? Because the IRS tells us that it is. My name is on the tax return too. Wow, not you snitching on yourself like a rapper. Oh my God. Oh. Anyway, that's just a little background of what the lawsuit says. It seems that they're alleging that up until this point, which is like 2017 to 2018, Tom Girardi had actually legitimately been raking in millions of dollars for his law firm. Like he opened that law firm in 1965. If you guys don't watch the show, he's big because of the Aaron Brockovich case. That was his law firm that backed that case. I actually watched that movie recently as well you know, a little bit because of this, but I can't lie. I felt like I was just giving myself an excuse to watch the film because it was on my film list for ages. And I love Julia Roberts. So it was a good time. I was like, oh my God, I forgot how much of a good actress Julia Roberts is. And it was a really good movie too. So it was interesting to see how, like he was a lawyer a few years before then, but it was just interesting to see how he got a lot of his notoriety and his reputation and, and what he was known for, um, not just in the law industry, but you know, just in America in general, he had that name because of the good that he did for people. You know, he even said on the show that he was fighting for the little guy. It's so ironic because he's such a small man, but yeah, that was essentially what he was known for. So to go from that to this is insane to me. At that point, he was pretty much making his money legitimately because he was a big well-known lawyer in LA. And I guess at that point, 2017, 2018, him and Erica were spending money so outrageously that it just wasn't enough anymore. So he found himself, he was probably in a lot of debt. So he found himself needing to make a lot of money more than the firm was accruing. So he decided to construct this Ponzi scheme through his law firm. So essentially what he did is his clients who would be, you know, like I think the type of lawyer he is, 
I can't find the exact terminology, but essentially he'd represent people that had tragic accidents, like tragedies, like so like Lion Air plane crash. Um, there were some women who got some breast surgery and they injected some dodgy hormone into their breast. So they got breast cancer from it. So they were suing that company where they got the boob jobs and they needed that money for treatment. So those types of cases, he'd represent people like that who were hurt and needed treatment or had gone through some kind of tragic accident. I think there was a couple of months because I watched the documentary when it came out about all of this as well. So I think there was a, a mother who had lost her son to a, a wrongful motorcycle accident, like things like that. Some of these people are even dead, you know? So those are the type of people that he'd represent. So he would fight these cases and win. And when you get the settlement money, the money essentially goes into this escrow account that the lawyer has access to, but they're only supposed to retrieve their agreed on percentage, the percentages that would have already been agreed on with the client beforehand. So that's the only thing they're supposed to deduct. They send the client the invoice and you know everything detailing the cost and what they've deducted and then give them a check or they transfer it directly into their account. Instead of doing this, Tom would take everything out of that escrow account. In some cases, he would tell people that there was some kind of tax issue or there was some kind of delay with the money and sometimes not give it back. Or sometimes he'd take money from other cases and give it to them. Sometimes he would tell them, oh, you can't handle all this money. You're young and you don't know what to do with this and that, da, 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 da. some bullshit then basically and give it to them in installments. So not a full lump sum like they're supposed to. That is illegal. They're not supposed to do that. When you win your case, that is your money. Or in some cases, he just wouldn't give it to them at all. So that's what Tom was doing. He even went as far as to hire a consultant to go out and find victims of tragedies and recommend that they use Girardi Keys as their representation and the advisor would pocket 25% of the attorney fees. In the case of the Lion Air crash, he even contacted a consultant in Indonesia who they didn't know to go out and go to speak to victims of the plane crash and encourage them to use Girardi Keys in America. Can you believe how fucked up that is? Like, in fact, when the Lion Air plane crash happened, they were they were in the shitter. Like, they were really not knowing what they were going to do for money. They were scrambling because even with all the dodgy shit that would like, him and Erica spend money so ridiculously. Like, if you follow all the receipts in the lawsuit, it's so mad. Like, that lawsuit, the Lion Air crash, that is almost $4 billion that those people won. $4 billion. And they don't have any of it to this fucking day. They were spending money so ridiculously. So when that plane crash happened, they were like relieved. And this is what these people do. They preyed on people's tragedies to fund their lifestyle so that they can go on private jets and eat at Nobu, like crazy. But anyway, I'm sure you're wondering about Erica's involvement in this because this is mainly Frank that we've spoken about at this point. Aside from the literal receipts of millions of dollars stolen in settlement money being transferred to her personal accounts that is also detailed in the lawsuit, let's talk about Sutton mentioning that 25 million that was sent from Girardi Keys to Erica's company, EJ Global. Because on the show last season, everyone dragged Sutton for bringing that up. I, even at the time when I didn't have that much any knowledge about the suits, the, the details of the lawsuit, I was very confused about why the women were acting like Sutton didn't have a right to bring it up. Like, this is fucked up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be attached to somebody like this. Like, my reputation is in question at this point if I'm going to align myself with you, someone who would take money from victims of plane crashes and cancer victims for drip. Do you know what I mean? And you are looking at me like I'm mad for bringing it up and asking why 25 mil of that money was sent to your business account. What? 
So anyway, Sutton brought that up on the show last season. So it turns out as the lawsuit confirmed for us, because a lot of this is still alleged because a lot of these lawsuits are pending. She's still got, I know she's celebrating a victory of one, but she's literally just gaslighting everybody because that lawsuit is being appealed firstly. So they're not out of the woods yet because the lawyer basically said they focused on the complete like different facts like that. I don't, I don't really know the ins and outs of that, but essentially they said that they didn't focus on the right facts. So they're going to appeal and yeah, they're going to, I think they're going to file in California. I think it's been dismissed in Illinois and it's going to be refiled in California. So she's still not out of the woods. And even if that case was dismissed and she had that one in the rearview mirror, she's still got nine more. Do you know what I mean? Like she's not going to be out of the woods for a while. So everything is technically alleged, but they have detailed receipts of all of these transactions. All of these transactions have been accounted for. So it's only really alleged because the judge hasn't ruled anything yet, technically speaking. So the lawsuit details that Erica signed two separate agreements to a financial lending company who are also part of the Girardi family enterprise. That's what they call them the whole time. Like Erica, Tom, the two lawyers that were working at Girardi Keys that were actively involved in this, you know, the, the financial lending companies that were aware of this, um, the... I don't remember, what is it, wrongful death associates? I forgot what they're called, but the uh, consultants I was telling you guys about that would go out and convince people to use Girardi Keys as representation, those people, they all called, they called the whole group of them as a collective, the Girardi family enterprise. And it's so funny to me because it's given mafia, but I digress. So Erica signed two separate agreements to a financial lending company who are also part of the Girardi family enterprise, stating that they have a right to her assets and Tom's until they were paid in full. So at the very least, Erica knew they were in serious debt and that they weren't allowed to spend any more money from Girardi Keys until this financial lending company got their money. But obviously, they both still continue to spend millions of dollars out of the Girardi Keys accounts which was stolen from the Lion Air plane crash victims, including that 25 mil, which was wired to EJ Global, Erica's company. By the way, that lawsuit states that EJ Global, and this is an exact quote, EJ Global acted as a shell entity with no capital, corporate books, or indicia, indica, I think it's indicia of corporate formality. That means signs of corporate formality. EJ Global was created for the purpose of funneling money from Girardi Keys to benefit Erica. That's what the lawsuit says. So that basically says this company was just existing to funnel this cash. There was no sign of any legitimate business being done with this company. There was no product or service being provided, no corporate books, not a board meeting, nada. <laughs> nada. Just dodgy money. So Erica, you can really stop playing in our faces on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's very insulting. The gaslighting, like I almost wish I hadn't read the lawsuit now because when I watched the last episode, I wanted to throw my phone at the TV. I'm actually glad of one thing though. I'm really happy that she ultimately, her mask slipped and she said, I'm not giving, because this was Earringate where Garcelle and Crystal and Sutton, you could tell, wanted to get involved, but she was like, I'm not doing that shit no more because they tried to drag me last year. But you can tell that Crystal, Garcelle and Sutton are like the only ones with a shred of morality. Crystal and Garcelle were trying to convince Erica, like, you know, wouldn't you? Wouldn't it show that you have empathy to sell the $750,000 earrings that you still have and give it to some of the victims? And Erica said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing anything until a judge determines that I have to. 
And they were like, yeah, but it's not like about, and she kept going into the specifics of the legalities and, you know, a judge needs to do this. A judge needs to do that. Like nothing is, everything is still alleged. And it's like, that that's, that's not the point. The point is, don't you have any compassion for these victims? Then she started gaslighting the fact that they were even victims. They were like, oh, just because somebody says something doesn't make it true. These people, like, you know, like she was basically trying to act like the victims are lying, that they didn't, which is so stupid if you really think about it, even if we didn't have any proof. Why would people that have their money waste time going to court telling people that they don't? Like, please make that make sense for me. What's the point? if I have my money, because this is millions of dollars that we're talking about. If I'm millions of dollars richer and I have the money to sort out my treatment and then some, why am I wasting my time going back and forth in court with Erica Jane, please? Like, even that in itself doesn't make any sense. But when you actually, you don't even need to read the lawsuit really and truly. You can just read the articles and you will see that it's already been determined that they are victims. That money has been stolen. If you watch the documentary, you can hear Frank speaking to these people and lying to them and saying that their money is not there. There's some kind of technical difficulties or problems. Oh no, you shouldn't get all your money because you're young, you're just gonna spend it all. Like I've heard all of those voicemails. He 100% stole their money. You can even continue to play the innocent housewife if you want to. The majority of people that don't do their due diligence are gonna believe it because ultimately that does happen a lot. But I have read the lawsuit and a lot of the information out there. And I know for a fact that this bitch is guilty. And that moment on the show where she said, I don't give a fuck about anybody else but me. I, as disgusting as I thought it was, I almost respected it because it was the only moment I have seen of Erica that I believe was genuinely her. The entire time she's been on the show, I felt like she was playing a role. She was playing the role of somebody that's way smarter than she is, I think. Because if she was really smart, she wouldn't even be on the show. She's making herself look terrible on that show. Let's even say she doesn't go to prison because I feel like they have enough to press criminal charges once they're done with these civil lawsuits. And I do believe that's coming. I think that they're just wanting to get these people's money first. But I 100% believe that criminal charges are coming because if we can determine that you're guilty in a court of law to get the money back, we can also determine that you're guilty on a criminal lawsuit too. So if she doesn't see jail, she's tanking her reputation on that show. And I find it very confusing. And like I said, I think the entire time she's been on the show, she's been playing a role. And that moment was the only moment that I feel like was truly authentic from her. That's who she is. She doesn't give a fuck about anybody else but herself. She doesn't even like to acknowledge the fact that they are victims because she doesn't even want to think of them as real people. Because then she'd have to feel bad about the fucked up shit she's done. Then she'd have to feel bad about the fact that she spent these people's money for their treatment on wigs and designer handbags and her glam squad and private jets, you know? then she'd have to feel like a fucked up human being. And she doesn't want to feel that way. I think that a lot of these people who go on this show, because at this point, I'm wondering what's happening over on Bravo and on Housewives in general as a franchise, because why are there so many scammers? Like next show, I'm probably going to talk about Jen Shah because Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is coming back soon. And I'm just like, I think it's so mad that you lot are really doing this. And then you go on TV. Because when you really follow everything timeline wise, I feel like if they never gone on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, they probably wouldn't even get caught. 
So it makes me wonder, is this type of behavior some kind of an addiction? Or is the narcissism so intense that you just have to be seen? It's not enough to just be rich in private. You need to be seen on a big scale. You need to stunt on people, even if it is being funded with these heinous activities. And, you know, the smart thing to do would be to keep it private. Because between her, Jen Shah, Teresa, is it Guadis? Because I haven't made my way over to New Jersey yet, but I'm very well aware of her. It's just like, wow. And why are Bravo happy to even have her on the show? Aligning themselves with her is just making me side-eye them at this point. And I side-eye all those women, Rinna, Dorit, Kyle, Diana, every single one of them that are backing her. Are you lot really that stupid? Or does she have something on you? Or are you equally as fucked up? You just show it. You just don't show it on camera. Because I could believe that. I could believe any of them, really. I don't believe that they're as stupid as they make out, though. So I don't think it's just ignorance or, or them being dumb. And I think that that's exactly why Garcelle, Sutton and Crystal push so hard on the show when they are questioning Erica. Because I think they want to make it very clear, we do not align ourselves with this fuckery. <sighs> I would even say I'm excited for the reunion, but I'm sure that Andy's just going to give her an easy time. Like, I don't feel like he's really going to hold her to the fire like that. He's going to pretend that he's going to, like he did last reunion. But like I said, I'm side-eyeing him and Bravo at this point because it's very, like, are you all scammers? Are you all fucked up people? Like, I just, I don't really, I don't get it. And if you ask me, they're even contributing to making Erica look better because they really could air her out completely if they wanted to. They could even throw in little snippets of information that's public information at this point, but you, you know, the majority of housewife viewers are not seeing. To make her, to make that, not even to make her look bad, but to make the narrative look more accurate. It's really aggravating me and it's actually making me really, really disheartened for these victims that they are continuing to paint this picture of Erica being this, like, she, what does she call herself? A wife left in ruin? That's what she called herself, a wife left in ruin. Like her and her husband didn't just realize that it was coming to that point where they're coming for you and it's every man for themselves and we're gonna have to do something to, you know, make ourselves look as innocent as possible at this point. And what she's done is separate him, herself from him and act like she was completely unaware of what he was doing and that all she's guilty of is being his wife. And he has conveniently said that he's senile all of a sudden. He's under a conservatorship. That man is 83 years old, so it is possible that he's, you know, come down with Alzheimer's and he is now, you know, not with his senses. That is possible. I don't think so though. I think it's just way too convenient that it happened around the time that this happened. And I just believe that they are both doing exactly what they can to try and absolve themselves or to avoid accountability. And I feel very sorry for the victims. I hope at the very least they get their money back. And I hope it doesn't take too long because some of these victims have died waiting for their money. Like it's just, it's all fucked up. And I get that it's entertaining TV and that is what Bravo's responsibility is to provide at the end of the day. But I feel like there should be a limit you can't just let any fucked up individual wander on that show. I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I just think that's, 
messed up. And like I said, where it comes to Frank, I'm so surprised that this operation only started five years ago. He opened that law firm in 65. How does one sink so low? That lawsuit said the Girardi family enterprise was operating Girardi Keys in a manner that appears to be a legitimate plaintiff's law firm, but in fact is a vehicle to obtain settlements on behalf of injured clients and then steal the settlement funds. How does one go from founding a law firm at 25 years old that raked in millions of dollars helping the little guy, as Frank called it, to create a front for a racketeering scheme? Madness. Madness. You go from helping the little guy to completely fucking over the little guy. Anyway, we'll just call it a day with reality for this week. But like I said, if you are interested, the lawsuit on behalf of the Lion Air victims is available to read online. I personally recommend though that you check out Stephanie's Wine and Chill YouTube channel. She is a lawyer who breaks down lawsuits that usually end up in the media, like that are trending topics, hot topics. And she kind of breaks it down for, you know, curious, nosy layman like me. And yeah, it's it's really good. Like that's where I initially came across the the vital information. And I was just so curious that I went and found the lawsuit for myself. And I still haven't read everything cover to cover, but I have scanned, like I've, I wouldn't even say scanned. Honestly, I've read a lot of it in detail, just not every single page, but all the parts that pertain to Erica and how they got from, you know, where they were in 2017, 2018 to here. Yeah, I'm, I'm all clued up on that. And there's a lot more people that need to be held accountable. Don't get me wrong. It's not just those two. We're talking like members of the state bar, judges that they've bribed. I feel like all of them need to be held to the fire and none of them should see daylight for a considerable amount of time. But that would be me being optimistic. But long story short, yeah, Erica Jane and Tom Girardi are far from out of the woods. Like I said earlier, I'm sure criminal charges will be coming shortly after these lawsuits are over and done with. So in the meantime, we'll keep an eye on that one. And that is the end of reality. I got hot sauce in my bag. So it's time for the entertainment segment this week. So this is the segment where I tell you guys about what I've been watching on TV. And I really haven't actually been watching that much like TV TV. There's been a lot of reality shows lately because... You know, I've I've been behind on a few of them. So I had a lot of catching up to do. A lot of love and hip hop. A lot of Real Housewives. Like I said, I've been re-watching Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's also mainly because I'm so busy all the time. And it's so easy to have reality TV on in the background and still do other things. Whereas with, you know, proper TV shows and films, you really have to concentrate. But I do want to make time because I love this why I have a show that's focused around entertainment. I love film and TV. So I really do need to start making time for it because I do want to be discussing proper TV shows and documentaries and things like that on the show. So next week I will have, I actually promised my friend I'd start watching Breaking Bad soon. So I don't know if I'll talk about it on the show cause I don't know what it's gonna be giving just yet, but yeah, I'm gonna get around to actually properly talking about some proper TV shows. So all I really have to talk about this week is Abbott Elementary because I finally got around to watching it. I know, I know I'm behind. And usually, like I said, I have a long list of TV shows and films to get to. So it's not unlike me to get around to one late, but usually I always prioritize the black one. So this is actually a new one for me that's taken me this long. But I don't remember, I think I just, I thought it was on Peacock and on my Sky and it wasn't showing up on there. 
and this was at the time that it was airing and I was just like, I can't be bothered to watch it on Mr. World Premiere and yeah, we'll just get to it another time. But now it's on Disney Plus to watch. So I binge watched it this week and it was so, so funny. Hilarious. I laughed so much. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's a mockumentary style comedy. And it's about a group of teachers that work in an underfunded, predominantly black school in Philadelphia. It stars Quinta Brunson, who plays the main character, Janine Teagues. And she also creates the show. I only recognize Quinta Brunson from a black lady sketch show. So I think she really did a good job of showing us that she's actually really funny. Like no, I no shade, honestly, but I really, I wasn't, I wasn't loving a black lady sketch show. Um, so yeah, I think that I was really, really impressed with Quinta Brunson cause she was so hilarious on the show. Like her character really makes me, I almost want to rewatch it. Um, because I just, I just love the way that she did it. It also stars Tyler James Williams, who plays Chris and everybody hates Chris. Janelle James, who is apparently in Black Monday as well, but I did not remember her. For like, it was only when I looked up and I was like, I remember her from Black Monday. But yeah, you guys should actually check that out as well. It's a TV show that's based on Black Wall Street back in the day. I didn't even know Black Wall Street exists. And I guess a lot of people didn't, which is why the TV show exists. But it's funny and it's really good. I actually need to catch up. I'm halfway through season two. But it's got Regina Hall and Don Cheadle in it. Like, it's really good. Lisa Ann Walter is also in Abbott Elementary, who you might recognize as Chessie from The Parent Trap. Cheryl Lee Ralph, who is of course Dee from our beloved Moesha. Chris Perfetti, who I didn't recognize, but I really liked his character, Jacob. William Stanford Davis and Reggie Hayes, who is William from Girlfriends, and he plays the superintendent. So as you can imagine from that cast, the TV show is hilarious. It's a lighthearted comedy that you can binge watch very quickly. It really brought to light issues that I'm sure a lot of underfunded schools are facing, but it didn't stop it from being really funny. And one thing as well that I really liked is that the two white characters who are Jacob and Melissa were really funny in their own ways without them being problematic at all, because I feel like that's a, an added element that comedies always seem to have with the non-black characters, that they always have some hint of being problematic or that white person. And I do get that that needs to exist in some comedies to essentially the purpose of entertainment, like film and TV is to tell a story and, you know, bring to life people's experiences and put them on screen and unfortunately you know we a lot of us all know some of those uh, white people but I like that this documentary didn't have that I do feel like that needs to stop being a norm there can be some documentaries where they can just be funny in their own ways and their own people but there's nothing problematic about them like I really like that and yeah I highly recommend it you can watch it on Disney plus the new season is coming out really soon Wednesday 21st of September so that's even next week actually so I'm actually really happy that I watched season one so late because now I get to just go straight into season two unlike everybody else I'm sure watched it in April and was really upset when it was over because the first thing I thought after the last episode was I want to watch it again <laughs> but yeah ultimately that's really all I've been watching in terms of new shows Abbott Elementary I've also, I know I said I wouldn't talk too much about reality shows or at all, but I've also been re-watching Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'm currently up to season six and I only really have two points to make. So that's why I said I'd just quickly mention it because I have been watching it. Firstly, I'm tired of pretending that this show does not need Miss Nene Leakes back. Andy, stop fucking about and bring her back. In fact, the rumor is that he might have already because she did drop that lawsuit against Bravo. And I saw that her and Portia took a little, a little, you know, picture that seemed to be hinting at something. I can't remember what the caption said and I wish I had the time to look it up because I'm really conscious that um, I'm going over. So I don't want to waste too much time looking it up. But 
I don't I I feel like there was a little, you know, hint of a a return with her and Portia. And I hope that that is the case because I understand why Andy fired her. Ultimately, it's 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 very much giving Charlie Sheen what Nene Leakes did, like where she called Andy a racist cokehead. It's like you can't say that about your boss and publicly and then expect to have a job. Like you just can't do that. And that's why I said it's giving Charlie Sheen because I don't know if you guys remember back when he fucked up his bag with two and a half men where he called Chuck Lorre something anti-Semitic. I'm pretty sure. I do not remember the exact words, but I'm pretty sure it was something anti-Semitic. And of course he lost his job because sir, you might've been hot shit at the time. You might've been making a million dollars an episode, but you are disposable if you call your boss shit like that. <laughs> like it just, you can't do that. You can't do all of that. And I feel like people do get to a point where they feel like they can, like their ego allows them to feel like they can do and say anything. And that is not the case because you, if you see Nini now, she's doing all sorts of antics to try and get back on the show. And it's like, oh, sis. I don't like seeing you in this light. But ultimately, Andy and the rest of the Bravo and co would be lying to themselves if they were to say they don't need Miss Nene Leakes back. Bring Lanethia back. I'm tired of pretending. Yes, she can be a lot sometimes, but ultimately she was Housewives. She put the franchise on the map, if we're going to be real, you know? And, and yeah, I'm saying that like, not even like as an exaggeration, like Nene Leakes is what made Housewives a huge franchise. Like they liked to add like a stuff like New York, New Jersey, but let's be real. It wasn't a household name like it is now until they were cutting up on Atlanta. And a lot of that was because of Lanethia Leakes. So yeah, stop fucking about. That last season was boring. Bring her back. Not feeling Sonia. Don't bring Sonia back. Didn't like what she did with Drew. Giving fake. I just wasn't fucking with it. And I know I was the whole point of me speaking about Housewives of Atlanta was to talk about my rewatch more than the recent season. But I just realized I didn't talk about, you know, the recent season at all. And I do just want to, yeah, um, mention that I really don't like Sonia. I didn't like that fake shit she did with Drew. I feel like ultimately she saw that it seemed that Drew wasn't that liked amongst the girls. And she did what she could to separate herself from her because Drew did not do anything to that woman. And on the reunion, when they asked her about it, she lied and played victim and cried. And she also did something I don't like, where, where she said that all Drew has ever been able to achieve is mediocrity. Don't do that. Just say you don't like her, even for no particular, for any petty reason, because you're not entitled to like everybody. Sometimes it could be the stupidest things that make us dislike someone. That's fine, but don't do that. Don't discredit her. Sonia has this condescending attitude of herself as an athlete. Like that's the only thing worth talking about or like that's the only thing that's a big deal. Come on, don't play with Drew like that. Like don't act like Drew is not someone we don't know. Do you know what I mean? That's so Raven, um, white chicks, step up, fucking T-Boz from the TLC movie for fuck's sake. Like the game, don't play Drew like that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And even I see some stands calling her a D-list actress and I'm like I don't think you lot understand how difficult it is to make it in Hollywood I really don't and I think if you did you wouldn't be saying this and ultimately for Drew to be recognizable our whole lives means that she's not a D-list actress so stop stop all of that I don't like it when people try and discredit people because I can easily say I don't like someone and list why I don't like them without negating what they've achieved I don't like all of that mediocrity fuck out of here Sonia and if I know that you know it's a huge achievement that you won three gold medals but ultimately we don't care like, 
not everyone cares about that. I'm, I don't care about sports particularly and, and athletics and the like. So if you're not Usain Bolt, I'm not really likely to know who you are. So let's just, but, and I still wouldn't discredit her. Do you know what I mean? I just think she needs to calm down because ultimately you came on the show for clout. So you can say all of that. Oh, I don't need to get, I don't need to chase clout. I'm a three-time Olympic gold medalist. You can say all of that as much as you like. You came on a reality show for attention. So you were looking for clout because not enough people know who you are as a three-time Olympic gold medalist. I'm just, I'm just saying like you being on the show contradicts that, but we move. Yeah, so please replace Sonia with Nini and stop fucking about because I don't care for her. I don't care for Marlo either. Take Marlo off, take her peach away. I thought it was really disgusting that they gave her the opportunity to use her trauma as an excuse to treat people like shit because that's not an excuse. You're grown. Do you know what I mean? Like I empath I actually felt really sad hearing her story on the reunion because I've never heard her full account of her upbringing like that. And I believed every word she said. I don't think she was lying. So I'm not saying that she shouldn't speak on her trauma because ultimately she went through a lot. But the fact that she uses it as an excuse to treat Candy terribly and speak to Kenya the way she does and throw Kenya's trauma in her face. Yeah, no, you're fucked up, Marlo. And you can go back. Um, I know that some people are like, oh, but you can't just send all the dramatic people back. Otherwise, what are you gonna have? Like, you know, what are you gonna talk about? You can talk about other people that are not that toxic. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of Marlo. Like we don't need all of that. And my final point, and this is just speaking to me rewatching Real Housewives of Atlanta. I need a deeper understanding of why Candy lets Mama Joyce get away with her bullshit. Because that's where I'm at. I'm halfway through season six and she's engaged to Todd. And this is where we, you know, see the evil mother-in-law manifest, you know? And, oh, Mama Joyce ain't shit, but I don't even want to waste too much time talking about her. But I really need to understand why Candy lets her get away with what she does. Because the way Mama Joyce acts is so unacceptable and disrespectful, not just to Todd, but to Candy as well. I don't feel like she takes it as a disrespect. I feel like she looks at it as, this is my mom. I can't really do much to control her. It is what it is, like, it's my mom. Like, what am I supposed to do? Candy, you're supposed to handle it accordingly. Don't give people the right to treat you anyhow, not even your mother. Nobody has the right to treat you how they feel like and be as disrespectful as they feel like being in your life. Because that's why your mum continues to do what she does because she knows you're never gonna do anything about it. I I'm very, very precious about the people I have around me. And my mum would never do that. Like my mom, I'm lucky to have a mum that's like, She'll give my opinion, she'll advise me. She might lecture me a lot and I'll have to just learn how to ignore her. But ultimately that's as far as it's gonna go. My mom will never ever go as far as to physically disrespect my husband or, or my fiance or people in my life like that. Because my mom know, is aware that she doesn't have the right or the place to do that. Anyone who does do that, you need to put up boundaries and you need to stop being around them until they act right. That's what it is. Because ultimately I think Candy, all she needs to do is give her mom airtime one week. One week, even two, maybe even a month, max. A month, max. Air her, don't take her calls. Say that you're not welcome around my house until you respect my husband and my family. Like really, really be very, very, very clear with her. I, I'm sure she'll fall in line because ultimately people will 
do as much as you allow to get them to get away with. And this is speaking from experience. I've had experience with mainly friends, not family members, because I, I've been fortunate enough not to have immediate family members who are like that. Extended family, yeah, it's not that deep. I can snip, snip. Like we don't need to be around each other. Do you know what I mean? But friends, yeah, I've, I've ultimately, when I was younger and in a more of a vulnerable place, I did have friends that were not good to me, and I, I, you know. They, they did treat me badly and disrespectfully. And at the time it didn't quite feel like it. Even when I would stand up from, I feel like I was standing up for myself because I would tell them not to do that. And I would say, but ultimately I'm still allowing that behavior to continue because I'm still their friend. Do you know what I mean? I'm still letting them around me. I'm still giving them access to me. People that disrespect you should not have access to you. You need to cut them. You really need to put up a barrier until that behavior stops. And if it doesn't stop, tell them, I'm sorry. You can't be in my life like that because life is short. I don't care who you are, even my mother. Like if my mother had that type of behavior, I understand it would be more difficult. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's just that easy to call your mother, but it it's necessary. It needs to be done because your mum doesn't have the right to treat you like that. Like watching Candy go through what she's going through with Mama Joyce frustrates me so much because it's like, why? Like, why do you allow this to happen? Like, it's not okay. Oh, anyway, let's get into announcements very quickly. Since we were talking about Abbott Elementary, let's speak about the Emmys very quickly. So black women are winning. That's it, that's the tweet. And I'm very, very ecstatic about it. Quinta Brunson won an Emmy for writing for a comedy series. And that was for the pilot episode of Abbott Elementary. Love that for Quinta, very well-deserved, very well-deserved. And I saw that there was a little bit of discourse about Jimmy Kimmel doing this thing where he was lying down as she came up to accept her award. I can understand, because even to me initially, it did look like he was, maybe not purposely, because I didn't think it was really like doing it on purpose to try and take away from her moment. But it did kind of give me that, you know, when comedians just do that, when they can't gauge that it's just not the type, the right time to do certain stuff or say certain stuff, you know, it's giving Chris Rock at the Oscars. I'm joking, obviously there wasn't that bad, but like, you know, it, I think comedians, because their job is to get laughs, they're always looking for a moment to kind of put the intention on them, even if it is inadvertently. And I did feel like that is what that moment was giving a little bit, even if it wasn't intentional. But I feel like when I saw the context behind it, that it was a joke that, you know, that it was a bit that they did before she came up to accept her award and she he just didn't get off stage. And I do agree that at that point when they called her name, he should have just got off stage. I don't think it was like intentional. I really think that he was just like, I'm just going to continue doing this bit. Like, I don't think it was meant to be that serious. And she, Quinta Brunson herself, says she wasn't upset about it. Apparently Jimmy Kimmel was one of the first people that watched Abbott Elementary and the pilot. And he texts her how much he loved it. Obviously her being a comedian, she's a fan of Jimmy Kimmel. So I feel like with moments like that, if she's not upset about it, I don't feel like people should spend too much time engaging in you know, outrage over it online because then in the, in doing that, then you are continuing to take away from her moment, you know? Like you see more about that than her actual win. So I feel like we need to take, you know, a leaf out of our own book sometimes and realize that while something might, like we might be right about some things, but it doesn't mean we always need to highlight it like that, you know? Anyway, on to the next one. Cheryl Lee Ralph won Best Supporting Actress in a comedy series for Abbott Elementary. Very well deserved. Her character was so funny. 
Um, I forgot what her name is, but yeah, her character on the show was hilarious. So that was so well deserved. I was so happy for Cheryl Lee Ralph. It felt like, oh my God, like, you know, when one of our TV moms is winning, it's like, oh my God. But yeah, she was up against Alex Borstein for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Hannah Einbinder for Hats, Janelle James for Abbott Elementary. So that's the principal from Abbott Elementary. I would not have minded if she won either because her character is so funny too. Kate McKinnon for Saturday Night Live, Sarah Niles for Ted Lasso, Juno Temple for Ted Lasso and Hannah Waddingham for Ted Lasso. Is Ted Lasso that good? Because every time I see it on my Apple TV come up, I'm like, mm, no. Like I just, I'm never enticed to watch it, but mm, all these Emmy nominations, maybe I'll at least look at the synopsis and see what, is it Jason Sudeikis that's in it? I think it is. Anyway, I've forgotten. But during her acceptance speech, Cheryl said to anyone who has ever had a dream and thought your dream wasn't, wouldn't come true. I am here to tell you that this is what believing looks like. This is what striving looks like. And don't ever, ever give up on you. Oh, thanks, babes. Um, who else won? Zendaya won lead actress in a drama series for Euphoria. Again, very well deserved. She was up against Jodie Comer for Killing Eve. Laura Linney for Ozark. I haven't seen Ozark yet. That is another one on my list, but I heard it's good. Melan Linsky, Melanie Linsky, sorry, for Yellow Jackets. Sandra O oh for Killing Eve. Killing Eve is another one on my list. I even really should get to it soon because I feel like either they're on the last season or they just did the last season. Is the last season, I feel like, did they just do the last season and people were saying they were disappointed with it? Anyway, that won't stop me watching it because my friend said it's really good and I love TV shows that are mainly focused around women. So I'm definitely going to check it out at some point. And Reese Witherspoon for the morning show. So the morning show I do watch. That would have I wouldn't have minded Reese Witherspoon winning personally. Obviously, I prefer Zendaya to win, but especially considering I do think comparing what Reese Witherspoon is doing on the morning show with what I know she's capable of, she's good. She's never going to be a bad actress, Reese Witherspoon. But I would definitely say Zendaya as Rue she fucked it up. <laughs> like she just killed it. Like she gave more in, if I had to put it between the two of them, not just because Zendaya is a mixed race woman. I, I just think, yeah, that it has to be Zendaya. So I, I think it's a, I haven't seen Yellow Jackets, Killing Eve or Ozark to determine whether it's deserving out of all of them. But for me, I would have been mad if she didn't win. So yeah, extremely well-deserved. Zendaya said to anyone who has loved Rue, Oh, sorry, to anyone who has loved a Rue or feels like a Rue, I want you to know that I'm so grateful for your stories and I carry them with me and I carry them with her. That's so cute. And finally, Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls won for Best Competition Program. I love that show. I actually talked about it on the show a couple episodes ago. So I really liked Watch Out for the Big Girls. I enjoy, I, I like a good competition program anyway. The show was up against The Amazing Race, Nailed It, RuPaul's Drag Race, Top Chef, and The Voice. That's quite a category, especially with RuPaul in there. So yeah, I think that well done to Lizzo. That's quite an achievement. Like how, like, bruh, Lizzo is winning Grammys and Emmys. Fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> we, she, she was not wrong. She winning, ho. Like, literally, like, I love that for Lizzo. During her speech, she said, when I was a little girl, all I wanted to see was someone like me in the media. Someone fat like me, black like me, beautiful like me. If I could go back and tell little Lizzo something, I would be like, you're going to see that person, but bitch, it's going to have to be you. Oh, that's so cute. That really warms my heart. I'm really happy about that. And I'm really happy for Lizzo. Well done. Truly deserved. So yeah, to Lizzo, Zendaya, Cheryl Lee Ralph and Quinta Brunson. 
Love that for you. I'm going to have to get a applause soundbite because that applause was not loud enough. But it's only me and my hands, unfortunately. But yeah, I love that. I love to see black women winning. And just a couple other things to add. Rap Shit has officially been renewed for season two. Very happy about this news. HBO Max made the announcement on Monday, the 12th of September. And I'm really, really happy to see it. I loved Rap Shit the first season. So I'm really happy. And the way it ended, I'm like, I'll be so pissed if it doesn't come back for another season because I want to know what's going to happen. Like, I need to know what's going to happen with, um, I was going to call her Audra. Fucking hell. I told you I'm watching a lot of reality shows. I think I'm married to medicine. But um, I am really need to know what's going to happen with Shauna. Is she going to go jail or what? Um, I want to know what's going to happen with Mia and her baby daddy. Like, what's the deal? I'm upset that she's not giving that nigga a chance. Like, I get it. You're coming up. Niggas with money are hollering at you. But I like Lamont. <laughs> so I was really disappointed with how it ended. And I'm hoping that they'll be able to bring it back um, a little bit in season two. And I'm very curious as to how, how now they've linked up with Francois to work with that Iggy Azalea girl. Sorry, it's not really Iggy Azalea, but, you know, that's what it's given. And yeah, I'm very, very intrigued as to see what's going to come of that. And I'm now I can't wait for season two. I hope it's something that's going to be put into action pretty quickly. So Rapture is written by Issa Rae and Syrita Singleton. Issa said, we're so happy to play in the world of Rapture for another season with this incredibly talented team. And Syrita Singleton said, this show and cast are one of a kind and I'm thrilled to get to do this again. We're going bigger and harder. Can't wait to see it, ladies. Can't wait to see it. I would love to hear word on whether P-Valley is going to get renewed for a season three because I'm really tired of this guessing at this point. Really, really tired. But hey, we move. I will be here all day if I have to talk about P-Valley as well. And I also just finally, in the entertainment segment, I just want to finish up by speaking on the Little Mermaid trailer. So it's only a teaser, but hearing Hallie sing part of that world brought a little tear to my eye. And it's so funny because all it is, is a mermaid swimming through the ocean. You get a glimpse of the underworld and then she's singing, you know, a line from part of the world, part of that world. The last line before the, the last line of the chorus. Sorry, I was going to sing it, but I don't want to do that to y'all. So yeah, I don't know what it is. I think just the imagery combined with Hallie's voice, there's something just so beautiful about it. And it's just making me so excited for the film. I haven't really been a huge fan of the live action films I have watched. I'd liked Cinderella, but to, to be completely honest with you, I'm behind on some of them. I still haven't watched Aladdin. I know, beat me. And I'm actually, when I go home today, after I've recorded the show, I'm gonna watch Aladdin. That's first on my list because I've decided Sundays are gonna be my movie days. So I'm gonna watch movies and I'm gonna try and focus on Disney movies for now because I really wanna watch a lot of the live action films because I wanna watch Pinocchio as well. I think it recently came out and I really wanna watch it. So, and I heard there's gonna be a live action film about the story of Mufasa as well. So I'm really, really excited to watch that. Really excited. I think that that's a really good concept and I'm not mad at it. I would really like to see that. So yeah, and I hope that there's a lot about Scar's backstory as well because I need to know what made that man so mad. I want to know what made you so angry and hate your brother so much. So I hope that we'll get to see that in the movie. So yeah, sorry, I'm, I went on a little tangent there, but yeah, I love the Little Mermaid trailer. I hope that they'll, you know, it's like I said, it's more of a teaser. So I hope that they'll release a proper trailer at some point soon. But I am very, very excited for when it comes out, which is next May. I purposely didn't engage with the foolishness and the racism that was going on online when it dropped. Because 
fuck you lot, stay mad. Like, that's really all I have to say about it. Like, you lot are that racist that you're really arguing over whether mermaids can be black. Get help. Like, find a therapist. Better help is not very much money, you know? Uh, I'm just really, really tired. Um, we're not we're not doing all of that. Like, I don't want to, like, we, we always have to, we have to, in, we have no choice as, you know, black people but to engage in racism um, pretty much nearly all the time. And as I'm getting older, I'm picking and choosing my battles very carefully. And this is not one of them. I just, I don't have it for you. Um, I, I tickled though. I, I, I was tickled when I saw the, I don't know if you guys saw it on the shade room or neighbor talk, one of the two, the, that one of them was so mad that they started going through like black movies and pasting white actors faces on the main characters. Like, as if to say, what if we just did this? Like, we're supposed to be mad about that. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you lot make those remakes with white people if you want to. Like, I, this is the thing. You lot really think that we get mad about stuff like this. We really don't. It's you weirdos that are upset. At, at, like, the mermaids aren't even real. But you want to argue about the fact that, like, it's the hue that upsets you. Do you know what I mean? Like, they were copying and pasting like Jim Carrey and Seth Rogen's faces on Friday. I don't remember who the ones for paid in full were. I think one was Matt Damon. Another was that guy from Training Day. I'm so sorry to that man, but I did forget his name. But the white guy who plays, you know, the main character on Training Day alongside Denzel. I'm like, the joke's on you. I'd watch that Friday. I'd be curious enough to check it out. I think they did Belly as well. Was one Ewan McGregor? Anyway, just random white faces. Oh, I think Payton for one was Eminem. I think that's the third white guy. I forgot. And I'm just like, we wouldn't care. We would not give a fuck. It's really weird that you lot really are upset. Oh my God. And I see them talking about House of Dragons. I don't watch House of Dragons, but like they're upset. Is it that, that hobbits are black? Bruh, get a life. Honestly, get a life. That ain't gonna stop Halle Shine. No, that. And that is not gonna stop us all pulling up to the cinema wearing dashikis like Black Panther. I'm joking, I'm not gonna do that. Because <laughs> even when they did that for Black Panther, I was like, okay. I mean, you know, do whatever makes you happy, but I don't think we have to go that far. <laughs> like people going in native and stuff like shout out to them though you know what it is like you do whatever it is that is going to make you enjoy the experience that much more i'm just going to go wear you know the clothes i would usually wear to the cinema but you guys have a blast <laughs> but yeah i'm very excited to check out the little mermaid live action film and that's that on that i got hot sauce in my bag swag so we've come to the final segment the music segment let's start with new music so singles first, let's just get straight into it. So a new song came out with Queen Niger and Babyface this Friday, Game Over. So yeah, I really enjoyed this one, especially the hook and the bridge. I really like the song and I like Babyface part a lot too. The production on the song was good. Of course it's Babyface, so it's going to be. And yeah, I enjoyed it. If I'm being honest, for what I know Queen Nigra is capable of, I might give it just a 7.5 max, just because when I compare it to my favorites that I would think of when I think of Queen Nigra, like, you know, Butterflies, Love Is, you know, even setting up with Ari Lennox is really good. Um, oh, Hate Our Love, Big Sean, which is actually her latest single before this, like her last single before Game Over. I really love that. I, I listen to that song all the time. And I talked about it not on the show, but on my episode 
where I did a takeover with Dope Black Women. You should check out their show. Really, really great women. And I have an episode where I did, you know, they they allowed me to take over for a week. And I talked about that song on that show. So yeah, I really liked Hey I Love. But yeah, so if I'm going to draw back onto my favorites of Queen Niger, I'd have to give it like a 7.5. But I did really like it. I would definitely, it's definitely what I'm going to throw in there for my 2022 favorites on my playlist. So Love in the Way with Blue and Nicki Minaj. This song is a vibe. I do usually like blue singles anyway. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I think he did what needed to be done. Nikki's verse was meh for what she can do. I wasn't that impressed, but blue really just needed the feature. So I guess it's more of a positive really that he outshined her on the track. It is his song. So that makes sense. But yeah, it was all right. I, I thought it was a vibe. And that's really it for singles. I do really want to quickly talk about the Plan B remix just because it wasn't really, anyway, we'll get into that because I can't not talk about it. I love Megan and Lil' Kim, my fave right now, like I said earlier on the show. So Lil' Kim posted a little teaser on the 13th of August where it was like a picture of her and somebody linking champagne glasses and you couldn't really tell who it was. You could just see their hands and the glasses. Then later on, a few weeks later on the 7th of September, you saw the full shot of the picture where it's her and Megan on a private jet. So that lets you know that something is coming as a collaboration with the two of them. I guess the Plan B remix, because when you listen to Plan B, it's literally reminiscent of Kim's flow. So it only makes sense. However, something happened and I can't quite work out what. The song was up on streaming platforms, but taken down after a couple hours. I think this was last Friday. So the date would be, I guess the date doesn't really matter, but just for the sake of accuracy. It would be the 9th of September that it was supposed to come out, but it just got taken down very abruptly. I didn't even see it because by the time I woke up, it was removed. According to Hip Hop DX, the video that was released on YouTube just had a message saying this video is no longer available due to a copyright claim by International Federation of the Phonographic Industry. So I'm not really sure what that's supposed to mean. Like, I guess it's maybe Meg's label, but I'm, I'm not sure what happened. Like... It was very odd because obviously it was a collaboration that they were they both promoted prior to the release. It was only the day of that there seemed to be issues because people say Megan didn't post about it on her social media. So maybe her her team weren't behind the release. So I really am not understanding what went down. But the verse was leaked on the radio on Funk Flex's Hot 97 on the Thursday, the day before. I loved Kim's verse. I listened to it. And obviously it's not going to sound as, you know, clean cut and and good as it would the actual final version. But you can still, you can hear what it's given. And I loved Kim's verse. It's the Kimberly Denise that we know and love. I was really happy to see that. I thought as much because the song like invites that energy. So I didn't think it was going to be, you know, the Kim that we've been seeing recently, like on the Nine album, which is just not Kim, you know? So I'm happy that she seems to be going back to the Kim that we love. But I have no idea why the song was taken down. I read a couple of articles speculating that it was released early, like I mentioned earlier. So Meg's label took it down. I have also seen some stands speculating that Nikki got it taken down or even 50 because 50 decided to insert himself like the, you know, BAN that he is and just get involved in women's business for no reason. And she, he was saying that he, she talked about Nikki's child on the remix, which she didn't, that was a lie. And 50 just doing the most and being 50. And um, Kim had to clap back. Kim's man had to clap back. It was a whole thing. 
So I don't think so. Like, I don't think that it would have been 50 or Nikki that got it taken down. Because why? Like, it's just, I know that they, you know, neither of them fuck with her, but it's just such a waste of time. Like, for what? Like, I, I don't see that being the reason. I think that's just stands being stands. But yeah, I think the first reason is probably more likely because I can't think of why else. But I hope it is released officially and properly and that we get to hear the version as, and, and what it should really sound like. So that's really it for singles. Let's get into album slash projects next. Let's talk about Ari first. Sitting up straight for this. Let's actually talk about Away Message first because Ari dropped a surprise EP two weeks ago on the 2nd of September and it was a week before the album came out. I enjoyed it. I really liked Tatted, No Settling and Bitter. So that's three out of five for me. So I'm not mad at that at all. I was disappointed by Queen Space, which is featuring Summer Walker. And it was actually a favorite amongst a lot of people, but I wasn't really feeling it. It's so funny because I really love Summer Walker and I love Ari. But so far, when they collaborate, I have not been in love with it. I guess that happens sometimes. It is a shame. You know, when two people you really like collaborate, you're like, oh my God, this is going to be fire. And then it's like, mm, eh, like, it's all right. It's not bad. Do you know what I mean? But Unloyal for me is like, I like the hook, but the song in its entirety, I just, I for for the, I like to compare artists to what they're capable of and what they've given me, the feelings they've given me in the past with their music that I've already gravitated towards and loved. And I'd be lying if I said, that it was unloyal was up there for me in terms of what I think either of them can provide personally. So like, I feel like Summer Walker's best features on there were Scissor and Omarion for me on Still Over It personally. So I was a little bit disappointed by Unloyal and I was disappointed by Queen Space as well. So that's just me personally. Age, sex, location, let's talk about it. Look, I'm actually going to do a, a, a little brief breakdown track by track. And I wasn't even going to because I'm running out of time, but I have to for age, sex, location. So this is Ari's sophomore album. It dropped on Friday, the 9th of September. And I love this album. I actually love it more and more as I listen to it. Because I've been listening to it every day pretty much since it came out. And I just love it more and more the more I listen to it. Let's just go tra track by track and then I'll give my overall opinion because I've made a whole thread. I'm actually starting to do threads. You guys should follow me on Twitter. I am Hannah OJ, because anytime an album comes out with an artist that is, you know, I'm going to invest the energy and I love your music that much. I'm going to do, start doing threads and go track by track and give my initial opinions of what I think about all the songs. And they're all going to be initial listens. So it's going to be my first listen. So bear in mind that opinions might change, but I've done it so far for Traumazine by Megan The Stallion, Pillow Talk by Tink, which we're going to go on to discuss in a bit, and Age Sex Location. And I'm going to start doing that for a lot of albums now. So let's go from the beginning. So first track, POF, aka Plenty of Fish. Really like that. Really great start to the album, I thought. Apparently there's a little section where J. Cole is singing or, or doing something on it. I, I could swear I saw someone say that or Ari herself mention it when she put up a a picture and the, and the caption where she was thanking everybody on the Dreamville team and everyone that was involved in the process of the album. I could swear she mentioned that J. Cole had a little section on this song. I can't hear it at all, <laughs> but I still, I, I really love the song either way. I can hear a man singing on at the end of, I think, is it Stop By? I, I don't know, one of the songs. Anyway, I should really have taken notes on that, but I'm doing it off the cuff at this point because we're running out of time. So yeah, I really like POF anyway. I thought it was a really great start to the album. Something light, but good song. Like it's one of my favorites on there. 
Hoodie. So I really loved Hoodie when it came out initially, but hearing it with the album, like in its entirety is like, it just makes sense. Like it's a perfect, it's perfect to slip in there. And I love Hoodie. I love the concept. I love the song. I love the video, like the concept of the video and the visuals as well. I really love. But what one of the things I love the most about Ari and her music is that she just gets it. Like she details these experiences in romantic relationships slash situationships with men so accurately. And it's like, you just know what she's singing about. And it's like, it's just like, I love the concept of the video where at the end, all the girls in the grocery store are wearing this same hoodie. Basically is like a, you know, metaphor, like demonstrating that nigga's been around the block, basically like you're one of many babes. Like, I just really, really like the song. And I just think it's clever to play off of you know, that thing that even men are always complaining about that we always steal their hoodies. <laughs> like, I just think that just, I really love that song. Waste My Time is kind of a filler for me, but yeah, I, like no song on this album is bad, but yeah, Waste My Time isn't one that I would generally go back to. Pressure, loved Pressure again when it came out. One thing I will say is that I don't feel like it really made sense with the other songs alongside it in Age, Sex, Location because it's the only upbeat song. And I love Pressure, but I think I enjoy it more when I just randomly go to it as a single as opposed to listening to it throughout the course of the album because it almost feels random and, and misplaced. I feel like they should have... I don't think they shouldn't have put it on the album. I feel like they should have put an extra song or you know, replace one of the songs that I would consider a filler with a mid upbeat one. So that when pressure, like, you know, like waste my time for me, like I, instead of waste my time, I maybe would have put in a slightly more upbeat song that isn't, you know, quite like pressure, but it's, you know, it's, it's leading the way. It's, it's kind of making the introduction for a different vibe, you know, because the rest of it is very slow and sensual and, you know, it's a different kind of vibe than pressure. So it feels a little bit misplaced when you hear it along with the album, but I still love the song. Still, still the song is still up there for me in one of my favorite Ari Lennox songs. Um, and then there's ASL interlude. Mean Mug, love Mean Mug, love Mean Mug. It's beautiful. That trumpet solo at the end. Oh, amazing, gorgeous. I really want to get high to this song. This song is definitely one of the songs that you just want to play at home and smoke to and just chill. Boy Bye, this is this song is tied for first as my fave. And I love everything about it. Talking all that shit where you're right. Cause I got someone waiting upstairs. Can you fucking love? I'm talking. Fuck with you, like, mm, what's up? 
vocals, top tier. Like it's Ari Lennox featuring Lucky Day. So of course the vocals are top tier, but I just really, really liked what they did. I love the dialogue in between. It completely makes the song, like it's just, it's so funny hearing both of them like riff off of each other and like kind of like bust jokes with each other, but be very much given, you know, intense sexual tension and flirtation. It's really, really funny. And it's really, it, it, it's, it seems very authentic. Like to me, it wouldn't even surprise me if her and Lucky Day were even a thing. Like they did such a good job. I, I don't know. I feel like they're both also giving the vibe of like, we're just really good at our jobs. So maybe not, but you know, she did call her her industry husband in that caption where she was thanking everyone that was involved in the project. So maybe that is, you know, who knows? But I personally hearing them talk to each other, I wouldn't be mad at it. <laughs> but I'm always that person that's putting people together that, you know, collaborate really well as artists. And it doesn't necessarily need to be that. But yeah, I wouldn't be mad at it because it was, yeah, it was a great vibe. Stop by. Initially, I would have thought was a filler. But the more I listen to it, this is this song has grown on me. The more I listen to the project, I really like Stop By now. Outside. Outside is fun. Something for the girls. Giving the girls Diana Ross. Walking around like she's the boss. Like it's, you know, something fun, something for the world, something for the summertime, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, just, you know, it's just something fun, something like leak it. That is where I'm tied, like boy bye and leak it are my tied for first phase. Oh, leak it. Chloe Bailey did not come to play any fucking games with us. I'm leaking. You got me tripping, holy water, that's what you drinking, I make you drown, way in the deep end, moaning my ear, yeah while you're sinking, I like it harder baby, make it rough round after round, I never ever get enough, I quench so fast, I make it wet, a hurricane and I'm the best. Chloe was a vocalist. Like, I feel like we've more seen demonstrations of that with her covers though. Cause I don't know if you guys follow her, you know, she does a lot of covers to other songs. And I feel like we've seen a wider range and a bigger display of what she can do vocally with those, as opposed to the singles that she's dropped so far, uh, with the exception of Feeling Good, the Nina Simone cover, which is essentially a cover. So, you know, I feel like she's had more of an opportunity to really show us what she can do with, with covers more than anything so far. Huh. With Leak It, she told, she came to tell you guys that she was that bitch. Like she came to show us she's that bitch. Do you know how hard it is to be singing alongside a vocalist of such maturity as Ari Lennox, as in vocals being mature, as Ari Lennox, 
and shine like this. Do you know how hard that is? As in, Ari proved how much of a mature vocalist she was when she and Jasmine Sullivan were on On It. You know, like that's that's the bar for Ari. So the fact that Chloe did the damn, firstly her verse, so fucking sexy. It's just like, this is going at the top of my sex playlist. That's all I can say. Leak It is, is definitely one of the sexiest songs to come out this year so far for me because, and I can't even say so far anymore because it's literally mid-September. But yeah, her. I can't even, I can't even speak. Like I'm speechless. Chloe, like the verse itself is great. Loved it. But what she did vocally, beautiful. The way her and Ari's vocals blended together so gorgeously. Like they both sounded amazing, but Chloe for me commanded so much presence on that track. Like she, she, that's definitely the best I've heard her on a song, like a song that's been released on streaming platforms, you know? And I'm just blown away by it. I was really, really blown away. She was the shining feature for me. And the fact that Lucky Day is also a feature on it, huh. like, hmm. We might have to play Do It because I was going to play a Tink song as an intro for this episode, but I'm even thinking, shall we play Do It since we I'm giving so much love to Chloe and Hallie on this on this episode and in their own separate ventures. Don't you just love that for them? You know, like I, it's making me really excited for Chloe's album because I know a solo album is coming for sure. Like you can tell that Hallie and her are in this lane now where they're both working on their own separate ventures. Obviously, Chloe now has been has released a few singles on her own and I just, I'm in, I'm enthralled by Leak It. I, I'm just in love with it. I'm, yeah, I, I don't have words, honestly. But yeah, the, the way they blended together so beautifully, 10 out of 10. Um, And then the next song is Blocking You. That's all right. I would probably say it's another filler. It's not a filler I'm mad at, but essentially a filler, you know? And Queen Space, I told you guys already, I'm not a fan. I was quite disappointed by Queen Space. I don't like it anymore on age, sex, location, unfortunately. But ultimately, I absolutely love this album. Initially, like I'm actually just going to read you guys a little bit of what I wrote towards the end of my thread after I'd gone track by track, because it has changed a little bit. But this is essentially how I ended it. And this was on my first listen. As an album, it's certainly no Shea Butter Baby, but it is exactly what Ari promised, a soundtrack for the tale of a vulnerable woman seeking validation from, a, from romantic relationships, something a lot of us can unfortunately relate to. The entire project is beautifully produced and in classic Ari fashion, the lyrics are so honest and pure. I like the way she simply gives us perspective on her experiences as a young woman. Ari Lennox, the celebrity, never really makes an appearance and I love that. I can't help but be that annoying fan and wonder what music we can expect from Ari now she's on what she describes as her eat, pray, love journey. But everyone involved did what needed to be done on age, sex, location. I still stand by that. That last part, I couldn't help but add that last part annoyingly because I, I I know that artists really, really hate it when they pour so much into the album. And one of the first things we say is, when is the next one? What's the next one going to be given? I get it. But ultimately, that's a sign that you've done your job and that you've done a really good job with the album that we already are wanting more you know and I can't help but like I said exactly be curious exactly what I said be curious as to what she's written because reading between the lines of what Ari described the album to be it seemed that this was a cleanse for her kind of a purge to get out the emotions that she was feeling at a time that was 
where she was a lot more emotionally vulnerable to people that she shouldn't have been, essentially, is the way she describes it. And now that she's in what she describes as her eat, pray, love journey, like I said in the thread, I'm very curious as to see what music is coming from that. I wonder if any of the songs written up, I don't know if you guys saw that picture of that board where she had loads of up to 80 songs written down that are in the clip, that are in the hard drive as we speak. And all the songs from Age Sex Location are on that board as well. So it makes me wonder, oh, there's a song called Hotep and a song called Cruella. I'm so curious. I, I need to hear them. I need to, I, I'm so curious. But yeah, it makes me wonder if any of them are written in her Eat, Pray, Love journey. And I would just, I just really, yeah, I hope that means that even another EP, like not necessarily because her, her next album, you know, she's just put out her sophomore album. So I'm, you know, let's relax. But, you know, even an EP, a young EP of Eat, Pray, Love, esque vibes i would love to hear what what that sounds like from ari so i still stand by that but where i have changed my opinion is comparing it to shea but a baby if i still had to you know ask myself which i prefer i might still give the edge to shea but a baby but actually no i actually think i would i wouldn't i think i would probably say that they're both about equal because i love them both differently for different reasons hx location gives me a a different vibe, almost a more mature vibe. Like I I would play this a lot more now, I think, because of the vibe that it, it puts me in a nice vibe. I like the way I feel when I listen to this album. And yeah, so I think that would make me completely disagree with my initial thought process of it not being as good as Shea But A Baby. I think that I would actually love them both equally, just in different ways. And I really, I think Age Sex Location, I would give it a, a nine out of 10. And the, the one is only because of those two that I feel like are fillers. Like that, that's really the only reason, just because I'm sure that Ari probably has a couple more on that board that I probably liked a little bit better, you know? So that's just me being a bit picky. And the Summer Walker feature was just a bit disappointing for me, you know, as high in regard as I hold Summer Walker, I would just, you know, I would have liked to like the song a little bit more. So yeah that's really it like um but ultimately age sex location is one of the best r&b albums to come out this year and i really love it and ari lennox did a great job so did elite i think elite basically executive produced this album so we love that we love to we love to hear it and yeah like i said boy bye leak it can't get enough of those two songs i listen to them all the time so yeah and and i like stop by i think stop by is would that be my second favorite no mean mug would be my second favorite then hoodie. Oh, I can't pick. <laughs> I haven't actually labeled all of that. I, have, I haven't assigned them all a number. It's so, really hard to pick because the songs I like, I really like. But yeah, ultimately, Age Sex Location definitely is going to be one of my favorite albums for this year. While we're in R&B, I have to talk about Pillow Talk by Tink. So I know this came out last month, 19th of August, but it's Tink. So we got to talk about it. I really enjoyed Pillow Talk. This is definitely a soundtrack for the sheets, kind of like Age Sex Location. I think Age Sex Location is probably a soundtrack for before the nigga arrives. <laughs> and then you kind of, you know, you play boy buyers, he's getting in the door, then leak it when you're about to get down to it. Then you can slide Pillow Talk in there right afterwards. That's what I do anyway, personally. But that's just me. Not that anybody asked. But um, <laughs> so this is another album that's executive produced by Hitmaker. It's a proper R&B album, which is what Tink promised. I'm sure she said just after her last album came out that she was going to do a, an all R&B album next time. I couldn't find that information anywhere, but I was like, I'm sure I'm not making this up. I'm sure Tink said that. And that's exactly what she did. The vibe was very nostalgic for me. 
Tink and Hitmaker really tapped into the 90s R&B sound, but they still managed to make it modern. So I really respected that and I really enjoyed listening to it. The only song that Tink is kind of rapping on is the intro, Going Bad, because if you guys are a Tink fan, you'll know that she kind of weaves between rapping and singing. And it was mainly all her singing with the exception of Going Bad. And I really like Going Bad as well. That's one of my favorites on there. Great intro. My personal favorites are Going Bad, which is the intro, like I said, Goofy, Cater, which is featuring 2 Chains. I was not crazy, but those those two songs, Goofy and Cater, they were the uh, promotional tracks for this for the album. I wasn't like a hundred percent crazy about them. Like I wasn't overly excited about them when they came out. But now hearing them throughout the course of the album, like I enjoy them much more, especially Goofy. Throwback, Throwback is my favorite song on the album. Come see me and Ooh Trifling with Fabulous. Those are my favorite songs on Pillow Talk. Throwback is my absolute favorite. I really like what Tink did with it. Maestro, why you listen to the bass drop? Play back and take it off. I wanna love you. Like a seafoam, we set it off. It's an explosion. Throwback is a double entendre, as you'll probably hear in the snippet that I, that I played. It's obviously talking about her throne back that ass, but you know, she's also interspersing it with quotes and reminders of R&B songs from the classic period in the 90s that a lot of us are familiar with, like Knocking the Boots, My Way, Nice and Slow, you know, like, so that it's a, it's a bit of a double entendre and I really like the song. It's just, I, I really enjoy listening to it. I quite like balance as well and come into. I didn't care for mine, which is a shame, but I wasn't too surprised about that. So I don't know if you guys saw, you know, a little bit of conversation about it online, but mine is a sample of The Boy Is Mine, Brandy and Monica. I was happy for Tink and excited to hear that Money Long was going to be on the track as well. So that, that kind of made me hope it might be enjoyable and something that I like but I just I didn't like it I did not it was weird for me because it's not bad you know what I mean so I'm not going to say it's a bad song and I hate it but I just feel like some samples shouldn't be attempted there's some songs that are just too much of a classic and redoing it or re-attempting it is not really going to do much for you unless you can do it in a way that it's not just literally 
throwing on the sample and you singing over it in a different way than the original artist, which essentially mine is. They even the hook itself is almost the exact same. Like I just feel like it didn't do Money Long or Tink any favors. I, I wasn't mad at Money Long's verse. Um, that was the one thing I would say about the song, but ultimately it this didn't do much for me. And just to speak to what I just said about, unless you can use a, an iconic sample in a way that it's not just literally throwing it on and, and singing over it. An example I would refer to is, What's it called? Oh, on Lizzo's album, Special, where she used a Lauren Hill sample, Do Up That Thing. But I don't remember what the actual song is called, which is crazy because Special is one of my favorite albums this year. So I can't believe I'm... Break Up Twice, yeah. So on Break Up Twice by Lizzo, she uses a Do Up sample by Lauren Hill and you can hear it in it. But because Lizzo is like, she's a real artiste, like she's really skilled at this. She did it in a way that it didn't just sound like her throwing on do up that thing and just singing it. Do you know what I mean? Like she did it in a way that it completely almost, it does, it sounds like a new song, but you can still familiarize yourself with this. Like you can still hear the sample and, and it still sounds familiar to you. You still know exactly what it is, but it doesn't just sound like you've thrown on a Lauren Hill sample and sang over it. And she's done it with two iconic samples. Actually, she did it with give it to me, Rick James too. Everybody's Gay is my favorite song on special. That Those two songs are examples of how you can use such a easily recognized sample, but make it your own. And I feel like Tink didn't do that with mine. So I was a bit, I would say I was disappointed because honestly I didn't expect to like it because I was as soon as I saw the news, I was like, oh, I'm scared. I don't know. But, and I was even surprised that Brandy agreed to, because apparently Brandy doesn't just give out samples like that. And she had to go to the studio and everything and listen to it with Hitmaker and had to approve it before she'd even say yes to the to her sampling it. So I would only assume, I, I, I even wonder if she, part of the reason she said yes is because she knew that when you listen to it, you're just gonna think of the boy's mind and wanna listen to the boy's mind. Um, but that's the interesting thing about, that's why I, I bring up Break Up Twice and Everybody's Gay by Lizzo because I don't actually listen to Break Up Twice and think I need to go directly to do up that thing. Cause let me, I might as well just listen to the original. It doesn't make you feel like that because essentially it's like a new song, you know? Anyway, sorry, tangent, but I just wanted to give a little bit of perspective because a lot of artists are doing samples and remakes now and it's a gamble. Sometimes it can work, sometimes it can't. And I think you have a better chance of it working if you're going to take a little bit more of a risk than just using the sample. You have to be apply a little bit more creative license to, to what you're going to do on the track if you really want to make it your own. But ultimately, the album, I enjoyed it. I initially put a 6.5 out of 10 when I took these notes, but I feel like that's a bit harsh because I've listened to it a few more times since then. And I would give it probably a 7.5 now. So it's, and that's only because for Tink, it's just good. It's No Hopeless Romantic, which is my favorite Tink album. And even voicemails. I don't know, if I'd probably say Pillow Talk is better than voicemails, but the way she's performing on voicemails, it, it's just a different vibe. And that's like the tink that I fell in love with voicemails was when I started listening to her. So yeah, I think that it's a good album and it's better than her last. Heat of the Moment was pretty much okay for me. There's songs I really like on there, but you know, only a handful, which is not um, a great amount for tink, especially since it's quite a long track list. So yeah, I think that this song is very, it, uh, sorry, I think that this album is good, but 
I wouldn't put it up there because it's a few points below Hopeless Romantic, which is my favorite Tink album. I do wonder if any of these songs are about Hitmaker because, I mean, it's obvious that's her man. I don't know why she's trying to pretend it's not. Like whenever they are doing the interviews, like when they were on their interview run and talking about each other and they got the question asked, they would call each other their special friend. And I was just like, just say you're smashing. Cause even the way you're looking at each other, the way you're talking about each other, like it's so obvious. So I don't really get the point in acting like you're not when you're gonna just say, call him your special friend. We all know what that means. So it's just like, okay, fine, whatever. And also Hitmaker is from Chicago, which I think is interesting. Cause she said on this album and other songs in the past that hood niggas from Chicago are her type. So, cause she's also from Chicago. So I just find that interesting. And Hitmaker also said on the Breakfast Club that he doesn't charge Tink. And this is the second album that he's executive. And this is the second album that he's executive produced for her. Production is expensive, bro. So for you to not be charging her, she's more than just your friend, my nigga. Like, I don't know why we're doing all of this. But yeah, I do hope this album does what it needs for, to do for Tink because with her consistency, she puts out a project every year. Like, I think 2020, she put out two. So you can tell she really wants to blow in a slightly different way than to the rest of the girls because she doesn't really put herself out there as much and she's very careful about who she collaborates with. All her collaborations make sense and she doesn't just do it with anybody. So I think that she's definitely not trying to just do any, like, you know, be like certain artists and just do anything to blow, but you can tell she really wants to be out here. So I really think, I really hope this album does what it needs to do for her. And one thing I also want to end on is that both Ari and Ting's album have one quality in common, which is that you really need to play the entire project to get the full effects of the album. Because there's certain songs that are good and are good to and are enjoyable to listen to, but you're not going to just go to them randomly as just that song. You need to hear them with the flow of the whole album. And I'm not mad at that. I actually, it reminds me of what R&B was like back in the day where it was the norm to literally throw on an album. It didn't mean that you loved every song. Cause you know how people say like, loved every song, no skips. That's very rare. Like there's a lot of time and energy and creativity that goes into making an album. And it's very rare to get an album where literally every single song you love like that. So especially authentic R&B, because there are going to be some that's just like background music, you know? So I wasn't mad at the fact that like, like ultimately whenever I feel like listening to a few songs from the album, I'm just probably just going to play the whole thing, which I rarely do now. It's mainly about playlists for everybody nearly. Um, so I really enjoy that with certain R&B artists, we're getting back to a time where you just whack on their album and you just have a good time. So yeah, I, I loved it. While just very quickly, while we're on albums, I I finally checked out The Lead by Flo. It came out on 8th of July. I was really excited to check Flo out because, you know, we come from the 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 era of girl groups, Destiny's Child, TLC. Like, you know, I was so excited to see a girl group coming out. I'm like, yes, this is what we need, you know? But I'd be lying if I said I was blown away by any of the songs. And I was quite disappointed because I saw a lot of hype about them on my timeline. And then when I listened to them, I was like, oh, I mean, they can definitely sing. Uh, I can't deny that their harmonies are on point, but the songs are meh, for me. Like I, w I just wasn't overly impressed. And H, I don't know if 
Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't have put any of these conversations on my show. But H, who runs the studio here, we, me and him always have conversations about rap music. And he has been checking out rap music from when he was younger. Like, so have I, but like, I've only gotten into a lot of the legends and the, the you know, most well-renowned rappers recently, like in the my mid-20s up until now. So, I, like early, early mid-20s anyway, up until now. So... I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said I grew up listening to Lil Kim, Foxy Brown, you know, I, Eve, I, I, I listened to when I was a bit younger. So I, with the exception of Eve, you know, I, I wouldn't quite say that. Like it, it pretty much started at Nikki for me. So now, I, so he's, the bar is very high for him where it comes to rap music. And now I'm starting to realize what he means and why he's not impressed by certain rappers now. Cause I feel like that's exactly what it is for me with R&B. I feel like we came from a time with such, stellar R&B artists and groups where every, like the songs and the production, everything was just on point. And I feel like I've just been spoiled essentially. Like I feel like the bar is just so high for me that I listen to certain artists that people are hyping up and I'm like, it's not it for me. It's not, you're not bad, but I can't make that much noise about you from an honest space personally. I like the immature music video. I love the nostalgia of having a girl group reminiscent of that 90s noughties era. So seeing that video brought that back for me. So I love the video and I think that they did a good job considering you can tell they don't, you know, dance that much. They, so I feel like they did a good job of doing what needs to be done in terms of the, the sequences and things like that. But I'm definitely like happy to wait and see. They are a very new group. They literally only just started putting out music this year. So, and I think they're about to drop a single soon. Yeah, on the 21st of September. So I'll talk about that on the next episode of my show because yeah, I'm definitely gonna keep an eye on them and see what, what they're gonna be providing. Like I said, growing up in, you know, those days have just made me set the bar pretty high, especially where it comes to girl groups. Like, yeah, but like I said, just growing up in the days of Destiny's Child, TLC, it's definitely made me place the bar pretty high where it comes to girl groups. So yeah, I'm gonna see. I think they were supposed to drop the single earlier this week, but they have decided to postpone that release due to the death of the queen. Smart, not, you know, out of mourning or anything, but just, you know, it's not gonna, all the noise is just not gonna cut through. So I think that's smart. And by the way, if you guys wondered why I didn't talk about the queen, during hot topics it's because i don't care like if i'm being real like i would never revel in anyone's death and say that you know like i'm happy you're dead or i don't give a fuck that you're dead or like you know ultimately someone's died a family is grieving like i'm always you know I, i'm always going to be empathetic and compassionate towards that but ultimately i feel like a lot of what's going on is very weird and performative i feel like it's just reminding us that this country's just odd like i just don't get why everyone is crying, doing the most, queuing up for 30 hours to all to mourn and grieve a, a, a 96 year old lady that they've never met before that would not care if they died. I just find that very weird. Like I, <laughs> I, um, as a sensitive person, I don't just give out my emotions to anything. You know, if I don't care about it, I'm not going to make myself care because I don't have to prove to myself that I'm an empathetic person because I know I am, but I'm not going to do the most about the queen dying. It was ultimately something that we knew was gonna happen at some point soon. So I feel like all of this is just a bit teen too much for me. But ultimately, yeah, rest in peace to her. Like I would rest, say rest in peace to anybody else dying, but 
that's about all I have for you on that. Just in case anybody was wondering, because obviously it's like the biggest hot topic that's going on right now in the country I live in. And I didn't talk about it and I forgot to mention why I'm not talking about it in hot topics. So yeah, there's that. So that's albums slash projects. Very quickly though, I did see that Dream Doll announced Life in Plastic 3 the other day. I'm, well, I say the other day, it was literally just a couple of days ago on Friday. So I would say I'm very excited about it because I like Dream Doll a lot. I've said that quite a bit on the show. I, I'm really excited and intrigued to see what's coming up from her. But I do think she's just trying to get her life in plastic era out of the way, essentially. Because I've seen her speak out a couple of times, mainly on lip service with Angela Yee. She's spoken about her journey with plastic surgery and how she really regrets getting all the work she's had done. And she's in the process of getting her R shots um, taken out, and, you know, you know, whatever is dissolved, whatever the process is, and trying to slowly go back. To, and you can actually see in her face as well, she's dissolving her fillers and um, things like that. Like I can see her kind of getting back to, because oh, she was always pretty. Like if you saw on Bad Girls Club, she's always had a naturally pretty face. She really did not need all of that work. So I'm glad that she's doing that and realized that. And she said that she's also partly doing it for her sister. She wants to be a positive role model for her. I actually believe that. I know a lot of girls say that stuff, but she's she talked about her sister a lot on Bad Girls Club. So I think she and her sister are really close and she genuinely doesn't want her to follow the footsteps of, you know, feeling like she needs to get like the BBLs and all of this work done in the face to be beautiful. So. I think that's great. And I think that she's also conscious of wanting to do that before she has, you know, um, before she really puts herself out there. Cause I feel like that's coming. And the reason why I said I'm not like, I'm not not excited for Life on Plastic 3, but she's ultimately released most, most of these singles already. Like there's only two new tracks on there. So, and only one of them I'm, you know, I'm very excited about one of them because it's Fantasy with Cash Doll, which we've been waiting for. It's her and Cash Doll, on the Watch Your Fantasy beat. So, and I've seen a snippet of it already. So we've been waiting for the full version for a while. So I'm actually very excited that that's gonna be coming out. It's coming out on the 23rd of September, Life in Plastic 3. But I do think she's just ultimately trying to get that version of Dream Doll out of the way. And she's got other plans that we're not even privy to just yet because Dream Doll signed with Warner Records last year. And I'm sure this, I'm assuming anyway, that this mixtape is under Gwynin Entertainment because the the other two, like it's one of a, tri, tri, I was gonna say trilogy, <laughs> but yeah, it's one of a trilogy. So I'm assuming it would just be her last project under Gwynin and she's just trying to get it out of the way. And I feel like Dream has got a lot more in the tuck that she's probably gonna do under Warner Records. And I've, I, I just, I fuck with Dream. There's been a lot of improvement and growth in her bars. I really liked Ice Cream Dream that came out this year. Like I thought her and French did what needed to be done on that on that song. I liked Wiggle on Rick Ross's album that also came out this year, I believe, or was it the end of last year that Rick Ross's album came out? I don't even remember now. I feel like it was beginning of this year, but I really don't remember. But ultimately I've been really liking what Dream Doll's been putting out. I like um, You Know My Body with Capella Gray. I like the Osh, which is on, um, a sample of the London Bridge song by Fergie. I, I really like what Dream's been doing. She's been doing some, you know, some fun tracks. And yeah, I'm ultimately very intrigued as to what will come more after Life and Plastic 3, but I am excited to hear Fantasy. So I just wanted to speak on that very briefly. Music videos. There are a few videos that dropped this week that I want to mention, or last week actually now, because these are old notes. But Ungrateful by Megan Thee Stallion, that dropped on 6th of September. 
unfortunately the video didn't make me like the song much more on this occasion because I always say that I feel like it's important if you are a fan of music to still check out visuals when you can because a lot of visuals do make you like the songs more sometimes you do just need a visual to form a relationship with the song that didn't happen on this occasion I did like the video though I will say that Megan looked beautiful very dramatic I love the funeral thing like it was just a lot of drama and I, I'm a dramatic bitch so I really like that and I like the fact that it was just Megan and Key Glock in the video because we're so used to so many women in the video twerking, like having that presence in Megan's videos. So I like the, you know, dramatic theme of it just being Megan and the big hat, you know, and the rain and her, just her and Key Glock driving in the car. And I do like the hook. I do like her flow on the hook. So I will say that. But ultimately, I'd be lying. I, I'm I'm done with just setting the bar low for these girls because I feel like, the more we continue to do that, they're just going to put out mid songs. And I feel like, you know, they can do better. Like, I love Megan. Megan, you know, has proved herself lyrically to me. But project wise, I haven't loved her albums. I wasn't a fan of Good News and I like Traumazine even less. So I am disappointed with the project she's been given. I love her mixtapes. I love Tina Snow. I love Fever. And I really like Sugar as well. So Ultimately, I'm not mad at her mixtapes, but albums, Megan hasn't been doing it for me. And I wanted to stop doing that. Stop being, stop messing about because you can do a good album, sis. You got it. And I do think, but what I will say though, is that I do think that she was doing that intentionally with Traumazine and maybe even good news too. I think that in this ongoing beef with 1501 Entertainment and what she's going through in court, she's not going to give them another big old freak. She's not going to give them another savage. It's just not going to happen. So I do feel like she was just doing a hard drive clear out and trying to do what a lot of the big artists like Drake, uh, Beyonce, Lizzo have been doing and just kind of in keeping with the dance theme that's taking place this year in 2020. or uh, 2022, should I say? So I do feel like she was trying to kind of do that because that's exactly what her is giving and one or two of the other songs on there as well. And... And just, yeah, clear out the hard drive with some mid songs. But I do think she wanted to do something for the gays. I do think that that was genuine, but I don't, I I think that, yeah, she wasn't going to go out of her way to give them bangers um, because that's her last project on 1501 Entertainment. So after that, I think it's just her and Rock Nation. So yeah, I'll be more intrigued to see what her next album will be. And I know I keep saying that where it comes to some of the girls, but I, I don't think she's going to put out a mid-album on Rock Nation. I can't lie. I know that there's only her management team, but I would assume that without 1501, that opens up a little bit more space for them to have a little bit more input into her creative content, I would assume. But I'm not sure how it works. You guys let me know if I'm wrong. Or, may, or is she just mainly going to do it independently? Is it just going to be Megan and they still continue to just help her management-wise? I'm, I'm not sure. She could do that. She's made enough money, Ho hopefully anyway. I feel like she has to pay a lot in these legal fees and, you know, give a lot to 1501. So I hope that that's the case, but we'll see. Uh, what other videos dropped? Super Freaky Girl, Nicki Minaj, uh, came out on 2nd of September. Wasn't feeling it. You can tell I'm even bored of talking about Nicki now. Like that, that's why I get pissed off with, sh with her antics because she's ruining the experience of, taking her in as an artist. Like, don't get me wrong. I know some of her music is not for us. It's for the barbs. Super Freaky Girl is one of the songs for the barbs. So I know this is not for me to like anyway, but even if she was to put out some fire, I'd be happy to say it's fire because I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, it's like, 
it's hard to sing your praises in any regard now because I feel like you're about to ruin it with some other bullshit next week, you know? But anyway, let's just stick to the song or the video here. Came out the 2nd of September, wasn't feeling it. Unfortunately, still hate the song. <laughs> so the video did not help. So yeah, Nikki did the whole Barbie and Ken theme. That's original. And that's really all I can say about it because that's all it was given, really. Speaking of what was given, last video and essentially what we're going to end with because I've given you guys a jam-packed show today. A bitch is tired. I have overrun in the studio, but thank God nobody's here yet. So I can actually finish and really speak on everything I wanted to speak on today. So final music video, which did come out on 31st of August, but still, I really want to talk about it because I love her. It's given. Lato. I enjoyed this video. This video made me like the song more than I originally did because if you guys will know from my my last solo episode, actually, I spoke about Lato's album. I wasn't loving it. I might go back to it now and just see, because you know how some albums you take it in without trying to be analytical and you just play it and it's much more of a vibe. So I'm going to give it a go because I love Lato and I still love, I still think she's one of the best rappers right now. Like as in the new, out of the new girls. I think that in terms of her delivery, it's, yeah, yeah, she does what needs to be done. I really like Lato. I enjoy her and I really like, and I buy female empowerment from her. She's one of the girls that I believe you when you talk about female empowerment because Pussy, that, that track that dropped where she was talking about her perspective and her opinions on Roe versus Wade. You could tell that was authentic. Absolutely, she was doing her job as an artist and, you know, releasing a song that was speaking to something that was going on in present society. But you could tell that she felt it from her chest, you know, like it, it was she she really thought that that was some bullshit that she wanted to speak up on. And I really rate that. And that's what an artist is supposed to do. And I love the song. Pussy was great. I love her. Pussy was great. But, you know, <laughs> I really liked Pussy. <laughs> I can't say that without making it sound like I actually I'm saying I like vagina. But. What I'm trying to say is, pussy was good. Oh, you guys know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I can't say. Oh, it is what it is. I enjoyed the song. It was really, really good. And so, yes, when I have moments like that from Lara, it makes me think, should I go back to the album and just give it a try and see what it's given? But anyway, sorry, another tangent. Back to It's Given, the music video. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it made me like the song more than I originally did. Lara is very commanding on camera. She has great presence. So the video was good. And I love the, you know, again, it's given female empowerment. She had a lot of familiar faces in the video. Halle Bailey, Ella May, Angela Simmons, Angie Martinez, Flo Millie, one of my babies, Chloe, ba Chloe Bailey, Jordan Woods. I put her and Halle separately because they showed up separately. Halle was in the actual video physically. And Chloe was one of the girls at the end that she threw up her, um, you know, snippet of her FaceTiming with her. Jordan Woods, Regine Carter, Sky Jackson, Tiffany Pollard. So yeah, it was good to see some familiar faces. And yeah, I just think that the video did what needs to be done. I actually hope that Lato takes a leaf out of Megan's book and practices her dancing because I feel like if she practices and tries to get better, because I've been saying from before that I would love to see female rappers dancing. I know they don't really need to, and I know it is difficult because with the breath control and everything, it's, it is a task. But I feel like in the era where Nikki was pretty much the only rap girl that people were talking about, sometimes I would just see her performances and it was just a bit lacking. And it's because there was barely any movement. Like, and I, I, I don't get me wrong. I really don't like to pit female rappers against each other, but I was very surprised at her wireless performance. 
after seeing Cardi's because Cardi shut it down. She killed it. Like Cardi is a good performer. Like you lot can say what you like about her songs and that she don't write her music, whatever. I, I don't even get why people act like they care about that. Like as long as the music's good, I, I don't really give a fuck to be honest. But ultimately Cardi knows how to perform. And I'm just surprised that at this stage in the game, I just don't think Nikki gives as a performer personally. And I was there with my friend and my friend was saying that she thought Nikki was a really good performer the last time she saw her and she enjoyed her performance of Wilders too. So there was part of me that's like, am I missing something? Like, is it me? But I'm just like, ultimately, I just don't think that that babe has good, like, I don't know. She just kind of gives me the vibe of more of a caricature on stage than anything. Like, like an actual Barbie, like a toy. Do you know what I mean? Like she's not a real person on stage. So she doesn't give me like that presence and she don't move much. Like she's quite stiff. So sometimes when I'd see her back in the day performing, I'd be like, I would love to have a female rapper that can perform like this, like lyrically, but also dance. Like that would be great. Like a rap Beyonce. So that's why when Megan started kind of, you know, putting out there that she, her goal was to be like the rap Beyonce. I was like, oh yes, give it to me. I would love that. Cause I've been thinking it would be great to see that. And I feel like Lato could get to that level if she practiced, not Beyonce, let me, let's not be silly, but <laughs> let's not be silly. But um, I think that she could get to Megan's level cause Megan gets way like way better every time I see her perform. Her performances are much more precise, much more clean cut, like every time I see her. And I feel like Lato could get to that level if she practices. Especially if she does it simple. You don't have to do too, too much, you know? Just a little simple two-step, like not two, just a simple sequence, you know? You don't have to do too much. But ultimately, I really like Lato and I think she's doing a really good job. I hope to see her perform one day because I don't think she's made it over here to the UK just yet. So I'm glad to see her be like one of the female rappers that is making her way on the big features. And I hope that that is a, a huge um, benefit to her and her team. And that will allow her to do more international tours. And I would love to see her do more stuff with Trina as well, because I know Trina loves Lato and I love Trina. Trina is my, one of my top five rappers. So I like Trina's the queen of this type of rap music, if we're being real, like she's the ratchet, you know, rap music that's very much in now. Trina's their queen, you know? So I love the Bitch From The South remix. And I would love to see her do more stuff with Trina because that relationship is authentic. Like even on the verses with Eve and Trina, she played Bitch From The South and Lotta wasn't even there, you know? So, and I, I like that Trina is a girl's girl. Like she, you know, she always shouts at Young Miami as well. Uh, uh, young Miami is her goddaughter, so there's that. But you know, like I, I love the fact that, I, I, I feel like because I read people, like ultimately I don't know these people, so I could always be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. But ultimately I always feel like I'm quite, good at sensing when things are authentic because I I consider myself a girl's girl. Uh, I, like I love women. So I feel like you can always spot it when it's authentic. And I do agree with a lot of the criticism that some of the girls get that a lot of it is fake. I do think some of it is fake. Not all these bitches like each other, you know, but I think that there's some who generally fucks with each other. And I would say Cardi, Lato and Trina is, is giving authentic for me personally. Well, you guys, that's it for today. It sure has been a jam-packed show and a bitch is tired. So I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at I am Hannah OJ. You can also follow the podcast, which is called Underrated, U-N-D-H-E-R-R-A-T-E-D. So that's Underrated on Underrated Pod on all platforms. And... I'm Hannah OJ. It's been a great time. I appreciate you joining me. And yeah, I'm out. Bye.